have. I got a story for you. A desire to help those in need feel their best by looking better motivates this miss, that's MRS, Germany, to speak out against domestic abuse, advocate for mental health, and support the homeless because she's been through all of that and more. But first, a word from today's sponsor, AndrePsyche.com. That is A-N-D-R-E-Y-P-S-Y-C-H-E.com. Is that small town boutique on the corner of the World Wide Web where you're going to find the type of merch that the big box stores just don't have? Go to Amazon if you'd like and just like everyone else, scroll through product after product, but never really feeling like you found anything unique, original, that's one of a kind. Well, I'll tell you that every fucking thing on AndrePsyche.com is unique and original because it's all created by Andre. We're talking arts, prints, music, podcasts, poetry, literature, clothing, accessories. And I don't know if he's been formally tested, but the man is a fucking creative genius. For instance, he was at a George Floyd protest in Seattle, recorded some video, was inspired, went home, wrote, produced, recorded, edited, collaborated with another artist, and posted a song that very day. Check it out. It's on YouTube. Just search Andre Psyche Presents Hope. Mm-hmm. That's his voice. And there are those fingers strumming that medley. Amazing man he is. And you can get some of his amazing stuff. Notice I didn't say shit because it is not shit. It is high quality merch. AndrePsyche.com needs to be the next site you visit. It's going to be worth the trip. We are also brought to you by the Getting to Know You pod. Thanks to all the listeners who give their time and stories for listeners to learn from. Are they listeners or guests? Maybe they're both. Is that a typo? Did I misspeak? Thanks to all the guests. I feel like I said listeners. <laughs> Thanks to all the guests who are now hopefully listeners for giving their time and stories to you, the listener to learn from. Your support is so appreciated. We have had over 40 guests on this podcast, so... If it's your first time listening, do a little scrolling through past episodes. You can see pictures of our guests on our Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. So friend and follow the Getting to Know You pod on those social media sites. Also, please subscribe and rate the pod on whatever podcast platform you pushed play on. Finally, if you or your business are looking to reach a global audience... And that is an accurate statement. 18 countries, counting the U.S. of A., where we have hit 36 states. Please consider partnering with us and supporting the Get to Know You pod. Just send us a message on any of our social media platforms. And now, getting to know you. Hello. Getting to know you. Getting to know all about I'm going to do a terrific show today. Getting to like you, getting to hope you like me. Because I'm good enough. Getting to know you, putting it my way, but nicely. I'm smart enough. You are precisely. And doggone it. My cup of On today's show, we are getting to know Sandel. 
who I just had to practice saying her name several times in the hopes of not screwing it up too bad. Thank you so much for uh, taking time, for rescheduling, and for um, coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. You are so welcome, and you pronounced it fabulously. So Thank you. Yay! I go positive reinforcement. You, but you can't, you can't, you can't high five me back right now. God, yeah, six feet, right? Maybe with a couple sticks, some pool noodles, we'd be able to. Right, right, absolutely. Oh man. So, how are things um, going for you in Pennsylvania? How's uh, COVID been treating you? Um, so, where I live in Pennsylvania, I'm actually very close to the city of Pittsburgh. Um, so, our county is going green um, this Friday. And so we're going to see how that goes. I am still teleworking and that has been amazing because I, I have the experience to actually do that. It's allowed me to learn so much more about just the internet and the resources that were out there. So much stuff, right? To me. So much you, know, you don't know when you're in an office. Yeah. It's just, it's just been really amazing. And um, it's also allowed me to kind of, get better at my own life. So, you know, what the cool thing about teleworking is, you know, right before I'm, I'm uh, meeting with my class, cause I'm an educator, I can run downstairs and like put a little laundry in, you know? Right. And then like, once my class is done, like I can run downstairs and change that laundry. Yep. And so like, I'm on top of my game a little bit more. It frees and so up I don't know how that's going to go once I have to go back to work <laughs> because it's just, it's made it so much easier for me with two children and uh, you know, my husband's also working from home and, and just the challenge of there not being any daycare or childcare right. potentially until fall even, um, you know, it's just, it's just made my life a lot easier. Um, so I'm, I'm actually kind of grateful that, like I said, I've gotten to have this experience of spending family time with my kids, my kids. I've, I've gotten to know my kids so much more Oh, um, of it, course I knew them, but just, just little quirks that, you know, during the day yeah. that you may have seen cause they were in school. So it's, it's just been fabulous to be honest with you. And you got to be learning about them almost. And it's not like, I'm, I'm sure it's not like you weren't teaching them things, but now as you're seeing them almost like more like a student, it has to be a different side or different personality of each kid. Oh, absolutely. And they're teaching me things too. So, you know, you see their homework and you know, you hear about their teachers, but you don't get to like really witness like the class. Right. Um, so like I'm getting to witness these like classes through their online portal as well as, you know, just kind of like I said, those, those little quirks of like how they solve a problem or, you know, how they're writing their essays or, you know, whatever it is. And it's, it's been, a, like I said, really amazing because I'm, I'm getting all this um, experience that I would have never had before. What do you, um, what are you an educator for or what do you teach? So I am an educator for cosmetology. So I am a cosmetology instructor at a, a beauty school for adults and I teach hair, skin and nails. So I teach owl programs. We have a cosmetology program. We have an aesthetics program and we have a manicuring program as well. Um, and we're only, we're one of the only schools who offer all three programs um, separately um, in, in, in our side of the state at least. Man, how I I can't even wrap my head around the logistics of teaching somebody. It, it seems so hands on. It, it seems it's a trade. So going virtual for a trade has to be 
extremely challenging. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna put it behind you this way. For every <laughs> action, there is a reaction and and the theory behind it. So right now we're teaching all the theory of oh, why yeah, gotcha. things work and how things work and um, the basics of necessity because as you're aware, each state is only legally approved for so many hours of virtual education anyways. And since we are a hour-based or trade program, our time is even less. So depending on the program, they were allotted so many hours. Um, So, you know, I'm just going to say it was around 150, which I don't know the exact hour marks because I'm not in administration. So out of that 150 hours or whatever the case may be for each individual classroom, they were learning the theory behind each thing. Basics of communication, you know, infection control, um, history and career planning, just things that you can you can do online. And then, of course, there is that interaction piece where we're hosting in-class webinars. We're hosting meet and greets. We, we were playing Jeopardy um, online, which was really fun. I'm not going to lie. It was it was super fun. We had like a school wide Jeopardy because you're just um, that competitive or you just missed people that much. Both and because they had a really cool shark as like the character that had my husband's name oh. already pre-registered. Um, so I'm it. also like a huge child at heart. So anything that's like fun and just like remind you of being a kid, like I'm all about it. Singing, God, dancing man. in class, um, you know, again, just having fun. I, that's that's me 100%. Man, I, dude, I didn't even think – and. I, Part of why I like doing the podcast is you get to meet um, so many different people and um, just get into conversations outside of your natural circle, if that makes sense. And absolutely. And I had no idea there was um, like theory behind. I, I just thought like you went to go learn how to do nails, cut hair, do skin cosmetology, and it's more like, hey, this is the technique to make this look this way. And that might be too many this pronouns, but it, it's like there's so many variables. I thought that's all the time got spent on. And it's almost like yeah. um like a um almost like occupational therapy type stuff where you're like grabbing people's wrists and you're like, this is how you would move in order to get this kind of cut or this kind of fade or this kind of shade. Um Yeah, so you definitely do that. But you have to learn, and I, I love that you you know said like, oh, I never realized that. I did. But we have to learn the anatomy and physiology of the entire body. And when you're a cosmetologist, basically it's except your trunk. So, you know, from your, your (laughs) decollete, which is your chest up all your extremities and from your, you know, pubic bone down pretty much knees down for the most part, but we're learning all that anatomy, including muscles, bones, um, you know, nerves, all that. We have to learn all of that. And on top of that, yeah, then on top of that, you have to learn about the structure of hair, skin, and nails, the diseases and disorders of hair, skin, and nails, how to identify them, you know, and I mean, that's just the the, to- the icing on the cake. If we really got into it, we would have a whole podcast just about what you actually learn in cosmetology school. Um, yeah. So like Greece you know, really, a lot of people like, yeah, we're pretty much like doctors for hair, you know, like yeah, we, and I don't, I don't want to praise our horns too much, but you know, I always say like, I'm, I'm a doctor for hair. Like we can fix your hair. We can help you, you know, repair your skin. We are not Harry Potter. So we're not wizards. We can't just magically fix something 
you know, with the rave of our waist as much as I would like to do that. That'd be super cool. Um, I thought that would just be a comb you know, over. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it, it would be so cool. Um, but if you're willing to work with us, you know, we change people's lives and, and help people, you know, feel good about themselves. God. It's really cool. Yeah. I, um, I honestly, I, I just, I guess my only experience would be like the Greece beauty school beauty school dropout thing where it just makes it seem like the worst choice you could make in your life kind of a thing. And then as you get older, you start realizing like these trades and it's not just cosmetology. It's honestly like any trade. There's just so much education behind them. I don't understand why it's, um, I, I don't know frowned upon uh, uh, the right kind of word, but I feel like most high school and colleges or high schools would be like, are you really going to trade school? Shouldn't you go to college? And it seems like a trade is a great way to go. It, it can be. And, and to touch on that for basis, um, some high schools actually allow you to go to trade school while you're in high school. They're called Votex, right. a Votex program. Um, so I don't know if you're, where you live has that, but our state does. And that's yeah. actually where I went to cosmetology school. Oh. So I went for free during my entire high school. I never paid for my schooling and I got licensed for free. So I always tell people like if your high school offers it, why not go? Mm -hmm. You can get an education for free. If you do decide that maybe you're not going to use it right now, tuck it away on your back burner and then it's going to always be there. You can take refresher courses. Um, but the one thing I love about being a cosmetologist is haircutting and, and beauty is a universal language. Um, <laughs> you know, it might be spoken a, a little bit differently here, but I can go anywhere in the world and cut hair. Yeah. It's like um, waiting so, tables, man, to be honest with you. It's, you know, it's the service I'm industry. cool with that. One day, you know, come find me on Bora Bora. Sean, we, you know, we'll go and chill out. <laughs> Bora Bora. It's just a fun word. You to say. dream big, dream big over here. Man, no, but you're you're so right, and I actually um, I, I feel like that's a thing that sometimes kids um growing up can overlook is like that safety net career, like worst case. So if you don't enjoy it, if you get hard up, if if you're gonna pursue something else and you're in like a transitional stage or a tread and water stage, like if you grow up waiting tables, bartending. And apparently cutting hair, which I had no idea, like you grab that kind of an education, you can just like make do, you can do okay because you have this education. It's, um, it's an interesting yeah, thing. You can make an, a, a, a career out of it. So there are people and I'm not this, this savvy, you know, I, trust me, you know, I try to get on social media as much as I can, but there are people on Instagram and that only work, um, I'll say digitally virtually I guess a good word too and they're making like big figures so if you have that drive there is potential out there to become a huge you know have huge uh, funding in it but if you just want to you know have a good steady career where you know you can do something that you love and creating that art it's, it's definitely a great choice and like I said it's always a good thing to have that that um I don't even want to call it a hobby, but like you said, like that Skill. tech experience, that, yeah. that trade experience in your back pocket, because again, you know, you can dust that off, get some refresher courses and bring that back out and kind of maybe change your pace of things. So, so here, here's what I always feel bad for when I go. Um, so I'm a little bit of a, I, I call myself a haircut whore. 
Like I have no loyalty. It's kind of like whatever's convenient. And if I'm driving down the road, I feel like I need a shape up. Let me grab a fade, whatever. I, I, I don't have stylish loyalty, but I always feel terrible for the people when like I'm sitting there and I'm getting my cut and I'm not a complainer, but you're next to someone who is a complainer. And they're like, if, if they have a bald spot and they're like, no, I want to be like David Beckham. Right. Or if they wanted like some really tight, like, I don't even know the female cut, like a bob or whatever. And like, they feel like mm-hmm. someone jacked it up. Do you guys get into how you deal with unruly customers or like unreasonable expectations for, dude, you have too thin hair. Um, I'm sorry, your hair's too wavy to pull this off kind of a thing. Or is it always customers always right type stuff and just do your best um, to make them look good? So it depends on the situation. So absolutely, we do discuss with our students um, different ways to deal with unruly clients as well as how to adequately talk to somebody about that look not being potentially right for them. And I also explain to somebody, even if I cut your hair the last time and I did it exactly the same steps, it's never going to be exactly the same. It's just not possible. You know, if you move one piece of hair differently than you did the last time, you're never going to have the exact same haircut unless you're going to measure each individual hair with a protractor. Um, (laughs) It's just not possible. Um, Again, you're going to get very close, but you can't repeat. So if you're not that artist, um, like the Pinterest people that come in and bring a picture or again, you know, Instagram, that's like, oh, it'll look like this. Um, you know, you definitely have to have that conversation of, well, you know, that is not my work. However, let me show you something similar. I did. How do you feel about this? Um, with your type of style of face, you know, this is what's going to really look good on you. Um, let's talk about your lifestyle. You know, are you going to be able to maintain this? You know, there are some people that want to be a big thing, right? Like, just like like they don't want to put in the work to keep it, whatever, get the product that keeps it or whatever. Yep. Yep. Or maintenance, you know? Um, and the other thing is finances, like you mentioned, um, yes, loyalty is important. And I'm going to be honest with a men's cut. I don't know how your hairstyle now, but I'm looking, um, it's Corona, man. I'm like, I'm, I'm three, I'm three months out at this point. I've just let it go. I'm trimming up my neck, holding a mirror in my left hand while going like reverse in the bathroom mirror with my right. And okay. I, I have like a weird rat tail that's going that I'm trying to like snap off. Um, but I don't feel comfortable. There's something weird about seeing yourself in like double reverse mirror and you start like yeah. second guessing the hand movement. If that yep. makes and sense. And you don't want to like stab yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Or even just yep. like give yourself a weird bald patch because I'm, I'm usually like a, a pretty tight one fade and then a little like whatever um, finger length up on top, almost like militaristic kind of a fade but with a little more uh, hair on top. But now I've just let it go for like three months. So it, it's like this weird bush. I don't know why I gave you that much detail. I apologize. No, no, no. I appreciate it because <laughs> it, I can actually picture it in my mind right now. Um, and so I'm not saying that those haircuts aren't important, but when you find the stylist that you just genuinely vibe with, you know, that you can have a good conversation with, again, that's in your price range that, like you said, is convenient for you. Right. Um, that you definitely want to go back because that stylist is going to appreciate it and they're going to remember you. And, you know, think about it this way. Like if you come in all the time, you know, that stylist may give you a free haircut for your birthday or, you know, remember, like you said, your mom's birthday was 
November and, you know, she might have a little discount card for you. Right. Um, I think that sometimes people tend to forget about that aspect of it. That's so true. Um, so while I can understand, especially for convenience, um, my suggestion to you would be to try to find a stylist that's closest to your home. And the reason why I'm saying your home is because even if you're running, running around during the day, if they're close to your home, you can either go on your way to work yeah, yeah. on your way back when you're running an errand after you run the errand, you know, as opposed to closer to your work, you may be like, Oh, I'm done for work for the day. I just want to go home. Um, you know, so I, f- I find that when you find someone who's a little bit closer to your home, it's a little bit easier. Yeah, dude, you're, you're hundred percent correct. And I'm just gonna, <laughs> so I had found, it wasn't a stylist. It was a barber. And I feel like barbers <laughs> don't like to be called stylists, but I may be wrong about that. So I had a barber and I was going to my man for maybe six months and he was big on like the, um, just text me and I'll let you know if I'm good. I'll let you know what my time frame is kind of a thing. So I text my man one day and, um, he's like, yeah, man, I can, I can take you in 20. So I roll up, sit in the chair and, um, he walks in with like his six month old son. And I'm like, dude, are you coming from home to cut my hair? I'm like, it, it, I'm fine. Like, I can't believe you would do that. And he was like, no, 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 man. It's all good. It's all good. Day off, day off. You, you my boy, you coming in all the time. So he's like fading me up and like trying to take care of whatever hair I got. And, um, completely like jacks it up after six months, just, just, just butchers it to the point where the next day I got to go to like super cuts or whatever. And I'm like, man, can you just give me like a four and fade it? And I'll just take it from the skin to the top. And ever since then, I I felt like it, I felt like it was a bad breakup and I don't know if I'm ready to trust yet, I guess is what I'm getting at. No, I, and I can understand. And again, um, I don't know about where you live, but the fundamental difference between a barber and a cosmetologist is typically that they use a straight blade. Um, So in our state, again, I live in Pennsylvania, uh, a cosmetologist is not legally allowed to straight razor. Um, Oh, okay. Really? And barbers, there is something barbers don't do that we do, but I don't remember what it is. Um, And typically barbers, like I said, are statistically more men and cosmetologists are more statistically women but that's kind of kind of going out the window in 2020 um they fall under the same um licensure in the state of pennsylvania so barbers actually fall under the scope of cosmetology which is kind of weird Hmm. um but long story short um i i can understand that i had a similar experience and it took me a really long time and that's why i'm saying you got to find something you can vibe with and you can have a conversation with because at the end of the day if you could have had a conversation with that barber even afterward and just said, Hey man, like I just wanted to let you know, like last time I was here, you know, I, I so appreciate what you did. First off, definitely acknowledge he's coming in with a six month baby. So he's probably like yeah, he's super just, tired. He's, he's on his day off. Yeah. Like, thank you so much. And I appreciate it. But it was really like, there was a lot that I, I wasn't happy with and particularly, and if you have photos, even, even better, um, it was, you know, too long on this, on the, on the sides and really, really short on the top. Yeah, I and I ended from, up having to go get it recut. Yeah. My man, I you honestly like my, would have, you probably would have experienced a, a, an apology and B, he would have probably cut your next haircut for free. Oh, yeah. Um, and C, again, he would have been working on now rebuilding that bond. So you just got to give it a chance and you know, I'm going to, I'm going to hope that you find your haircut soulmate. 
Um, <laughs> and you, you spend the next 30 years of your life with the same stylist. Twin flame. Um, you know, and it's going to take time. But again, start with start with asking questions. You know, do you have pictures of men's cuts? This is what I typically get. Um, you know, what happens if I don't like the cut? What's your policy on it? explain to them that you had this really bad experience Traumatic. and that, you know, you're trying it. to find a, uh, a home stylist, you know, so to speak, a stylist that you can come to all the time and you'll, you'll see, you'll find the right one. I feel like you're almost like a hair therapist, man, or like the local we bartender, are. right. That just listens to problems. Wow. Have you, has anyone ever lit you up? Like when you were um, cutting their hair, they were just so offended by what, what the end result was that they were just wickedly unruly. Um, how do I? How do you professionally do I... address that? <laughs> no, no. Okay, so I can. I have two experiences that I can really talk about. So the first one is. Um, there was a client that her and I just didn't vibe like at all. I tried my best. Um, but I just, I, I was doing what she asked me to do, but I wasn't speaking her language, so to speak. So, and so we did not mess. She was very artsy and just kind of like disconnected haircut and uh, even though much as I love them I just wasn't speaking her language and so her and I we now are we don't she doesn't come in whenever I'm um on the floor and oh, she wow. works with someone else so that's cool I'm okay with that I wasn't upset like I actually asked this other person to help me with this haircut and I said you know I think you two will be a better fit and even the client agreed so I was peaceful with it. The other um, experience that I can talk about is I had a, a student that was working on a client's hair and the client started out super, super nice, super, super friendly. And then all of a sudden the student moved this client to a new chair and this chair just so happened to have a little bit of color on the bottom of the chair, which the student thought she wiped it down for oh, good. No. And we noticed it right away. Um, I took her jacket from her. I started trying to remove the color from her. Um, it was like a zip up hoodie, like a velour hoodie um, while the student proceeded to work on her. But what I was noticing is that the student, this client was being super condescending and extremely demeaning to my student. And so I approached my boss and I said, listen, I, I just really, I can't handle this client anymore. I'm going to say something because they're being very demeaning to my student. My student was, was completely ignoring it. Like she was doing everything right, right. but I just couldn't take it anymore. It was, it was beyond the point of like coloration, condescending so with like I, super I guess. condescending, super demeaning, super um, rude, ignorant, you name it. This lady was doing it. The thing that pulled my last straw was as my student was blow drying her hair, um, the client made a comment about my coworker previously messing up her hair, which did not oh. occur. Um, my coworker successfully completed her hair and the client went 
swimming the day after and basically destroyed her own hair because she didn't cover it properly and treat it properly to go into chemicals right after she had a chemical service. So long story short, this client says, well, I'm so glad you didn't mess up my hair because she over there didn't care about messing up my hair and still hasn't apologized on it. And I word, word, word that we can't say on podcast. Well, you can, Um, you can curse on this podcast if you want to, but you seem very classy. I know the client did. So curse word, curse word, curse word, um, messed up my hair. Can I I pause you just for a minute before you wrap it up? Because when you're saying they're coming to a student, is this, um, and I don't, again, it's my ignorance. So if I say a word that's offensive, feel free to correct me, but like, don't, when you go to students who are learning, aren't you getting like a cheaper discounted haircut or am I wrong about that? And no, yes. And so we call it a clinic or a student salon. Yeah. And so they're they're They literally are paying for the price of the shampoo and the electricity. Um, They're not even paying like a normal uh, haircut fee. Dude, that Um, has to be so, so hard to keep your cool when you're like, dude, you're already getting a great deal. Like lady, yeah. you're, you're already and like said, saving. The student did great. She did a great haircut. It wasn't the student that was wrong. And she wasn't mad about her haircut. She was mad about there being color on her jacket, which is again, completely understandable yeah. because it was underneath her chair. She put her hand underneath the chair and, um, in the armrest of the chair and the student thought she wiped it down good. And, you know, unfortunately, yeah, mistakes accidents happen. happen. Yeah. It was her color too, by the way. So I'd like to mention that she was in this chair. It wasn't somebody else's color. Um, and then she started flipping out about all these things. And then, like I said, I was trying my best to help her be kind. And then when she said this incident to my coworker, I've never seen my coworker get so mad. She basically just said, if you don't have anything nice to say to me, then don't say anything at all. Classic. And if you would have heard her voice, like, you know, the mom voice where they don't move their teeth. Yeah. And they're like, Sean, if you don't pick up that book, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Just like, I was a little bit nervous. I was like, and, and this, and this coworker walked away. I was like, you know what? That's it. I asked my student to leave. I kindly finished the client's service. And, I, and she was like, oh, my God, this was the best service ever. And I knew she was going to be happy. Oh my I said, gosh. I'm so glad, Mrs. So-and-so, that you had a great service. Um, and I really appreciate that you gave my student a, a tip. However, I'm going to have to ask you to not come back ever. Yes. Um, and when she proceeded to start to yell at me and ask me why, um, I, you know, I told her why. And she then proceeded to tell me that she was going to contact the owners of the school, which were not the current owners of the school, but it was the owner who had passed away. And I proceeded to tell her, well, that's okay. You can, if you want to try to contact him, you can, but unfortunately he passed away. Here's the new owner's contact information. And I'm sure that they're going to be one to hear about how not only you disrespected and degraded my student, but you also disrespected my coworkers and me by your voice and, and, you know, just your rudeness and unkindness behavior is just not tolerated here. Um, and so it, it was the first time I ever had that, that extensive of a thing happen to me, um, in, in a school environment. Right. Um, so it, it was, it was humbling in a way because I got to handle it myself. And I also felt that I stood up for my student and my, my coworker. 
are you naturally um like how how fast is your heart beating or are you normally like cool calm collected when people are confronting you like that or are you just like an angry person you're like if she says one more flipping thing i'm gonna light her up oh no i'm definitely like the i at, at first like i'm super calm but i have that limit like once you step over that limit um i'm not an angry person but i just I cannot stand by and watch something that I don't believe is right. Um, so th- at that point, like I said, yeah. I wanted to make sure that I was dotting my eyes and crossing my T's. Yeah, I right. checked in with my boss. I t- told her about the incident. I told her what I wanted to do. She agreed with me and I did just that. And again, I did keep my cool in collection the whole time, but I'm not going to lie to you that there were a couple times where I could feel myself wanting to get loud, not angry, <laughs> but just to yeah. get my mom's voice out because she, she was continuing to be disrespectful. Um, but I didn't have to do it. I, it blows my mind that someone would go into a student salon and expect, and I'm not saying the students aren't professional or whatever, but it's a flipping learning environment. Right. Like, don't you expect that? Isn't that kind of why you're going? You're going there for the price, probably number one, maybe convenience number two. And it's a learning environment. How do you not expect there to be some gaffes or some like, how do you not just respect people who are learning how to do a job and like work with them in like a, a, a nicer way? That's a, that. What, what a jerk movement. I wonder it if that's common. Mind, it blows my mind on a regular basis. Is it kind of common? People come in there for the discount cuts and then all of a sudden they're like unhappy or they're unsatisfied? No, it's not. It's not common. However, I will say that sometimes, you know, you have to remind people that it is a student salon and that these students are still learning and that, yes, we are there as educators to make sure that they know what they're doing and that they do the, the procedure as best as possible. But even as a professional you still run into some challenges that you simply could not solve at that given time. Yeah. That doesn't mean that you can't solve them later, but um, you do run into those challenges. And I've been blessed. um, I've been an educator now for five years in the school environment um, that any challenge, you know, I've had clients willing to come back and work with me. And I think that's, that's even so much better, especially in an educational facility, because now you can teach your student, okay, Here's where our mistake happened. Yeah. We didn't know that this was going to happen, but here's where it happened. What can we do now? And you involve them in the process and then you fix it. Dude, that's um, a huge. So my mom um, is a retired nurse and then she got into um, teaching nursing school and her biggest thing. And I don't know if it was a generational thing because she's. Well, I don't want to say her age because I don't know if that's polite, but she's older (laughs) and um she was very shocked at the lack of what she called bedside manner. And she found herself with these students that they knew all the techniques, the proper nursing procedures, but like they didn't understand how just like having a conversation with somebody, looking them in the eye, maybe like stroking their hand while they may feel something, something uncomfortable, like a, a blood pressure tightening the, the, um, the, the tube, little basic things like that. She was blown away by how, um, how easily overlooked they were by her students. And I guess what, when I'm hearing you, I'm thinking like so much, it, it is, it's worse than bartending because you can't get away from them. 
it's worse than waiting because you can't pretend like you have to go pick up some other food. You're, you're stuck with that person for like 20, 30, 40 minutes. Personal relationships and de-escalating, right, has to be a huge part of what makes someone successful. It does. But again, um, in a student environment, you do want to give them that plausible escape, so to speak. So every teacher is a little bit different, but I always tell my students, blame it on me. Say, oh. I have to go and check in with my instructor in a minute. I'll be right back. Gotcha. Blame it on me. It's a part of my grade. If they're I'm feeling like frustrated or whatever, you know? or if they're feeling like and that so, client's getting a little ruly, yep. they, that's their yep. escape. Gotcha. Yep. And and then two things. I'm, I'm constantly checking in with them, walking around, and I'm looking for those unsubtle clues because sometimes yeah. a student – you know, they might not say that they need help, but you can see it. Yeah. What are some um, so, of those? Just so, so this would be like, language, Hey man, body language, 100% is, is, is key. And, but so what I'm thinking of, if you're getting your haircut and you look in the mirror and you see yourself doing this, you are giving signals that you are not happy. Like, is it like, what would those signals be? The client's body language yes. or you mean the, oh, no, yeah, the, the client. The, the client for the sure client is mostly their facial expressions because you can't cross your hands or feet. Um, so facial expressions, if they're, if they're paying attention, like blank stares, if they're <laughs> frowning a lot, if they're constantly looking at their watch, if they keep looking at the picture and looking at the mirror, if they're looking at the mirror, looking at you, looking at the mirror, um, those are all signs that you kind of want to check in with somebody. If they keep playing with their hair in a certain spot, that's also a signal um, that typically like doesn't mean that there's something wrong, but it might indicate like there that mean that, that that's an area of concern for them. Right. Um, it, it depends. It just depends on each individual client, but those are some typical ones that I can think of off the top of my head. Yeah. yeah. No. And yeah, I don't mean to put you on the spot or anything, man. But um, no, I like it. It's okay. Yeah. It's getting me ready to go back to the workforce. <laughs> right. But that's some. Like you almost wonder, and um, I know you don't curse, but it's almost like that bitch resting face that was going around a while back where like some people are just frumpy, (laughs) but at the same time, you almost need to realize like you could be making the person trying to serve you very uncomfortable because they're looking at your body language, trying to read you, especially if it's first, second time. And like, then their nerves are there, then they're tight, then they're not being able to be like creative and artistic. And like uh, in the moment, you know, there's so, I would imagine most hairdressers would get very worried about the customer being upset that it actually hinders the hairstyle. It can, it can. Um, and we talk about our grumpy face. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. From the client's part. A not, lot. Not yeah. from the um, in, stylist in both, part. In both females and males, because males have it too. Um, and I call it the don't talk to me face. Oh. Uh, more in men because it, it almost is more of an intimidation look huh. like they want to look really intimidating so they have that like solid like don't approach me face yeah. um clenched teeth kind of um, a thing stern yeah, yeah. eyebrows you, stay you down hit. you hit it on the on the head yeah i'm with you no i was i was more thinking like if the client's giving off those vibes it can make the stylist just feel awkward, can make them feel bad, can make them almost like doubt themselves. Cause there has to be a little like self-esteem there too, right? Like you feel like you're doing well and then all of a sudden you get like a crap client and then it's like, 
am I able to cut hair? Am I good at this? Maybe I'm not good at this. And like that has to mess with people when they're trying to learn something. It does. And I always tell my students, like, you may not be great at everything, but there is going to be something that you are great at. And you also have students who like don't want to do certain things. So like, for example, maybe you only want to concentrate in men's cuts and you don't want to cut women's hair. Okay, cool. Like we'll work on that and I will help you accelerate in that area. But while you're in school, like we still have to do everything else as well. Um, so you, you do have those challenges, but you just, again, you rise to the occasion and it's kind of what, um, it's what you're there for, man. You're, you're giving those gipper speeches, dude. You're like a freaking football coach and the people are pounding lockers and they're ready to go like win the big game. I can hear it. Like you're, we rise to the expectation, man. Like you're, it comes, it actually comes from like me being in pageantry getting better as an educator. I was really, yeah. And it's so weird because I was never afraid of public speaking, Uh, but I never really saw myself being a teacher ever growing up. If you would have asked me 10 years ago, if I would have been a teacher, I'd have been like, no, but going through pageantry and realizing that, I had the the power, so to speak, to to change someone's life, literally, physically, mentally, and emotionally, with with one haircut. It it really made me realize that I was missing out on so much more, and so I finally went back. I wanted to go to uh, teaching school for hairdressers because you actually have to be licensed to teach in the state of Pennsylvania. Um with a teacher's license. So I went back to school to get my teaching license and oh. my hours. Wow. I didn't know And um, fell in love with it. And again, I didn't realize that I was going to be teaching at that location again um, in that kind of capacity. And you grow and you thrive and you change as an educator, but now it's so much more, you know, I, I always find myself, going more than just what is on the syllabus. You know, I talk to my, my students about life, about budgeting, about things that they don't always know about depending on their age. Right. You know, we talk about so much more than just hair um, because you just never know whose life you're going to affect. And it's, it's really been a, it's really been phenomenal to, to be able to do that. And then cutting hair and becoming really involved in my community is what funded and started my idea of in the past year, I've been start trying to fund my own nonprofit called the haircut project. So ever since oh. I was a hairdresser, I gave free haircuts and I've been doing this for a long time um, on my own for veterans, homeless people, shelters, domestic violence survivors, heart health survivors, you know, just basically anyone in need. And now I really want to make it a business so that I can do even more and and be able to travel the world and do it and impact so many more people. Um, So it kind of has brought me full circle. Yeah, that's that's something actually I've seen, too, where people go with um, almost like mobile showers and it would just be for, in, in this case, the homeless. But just people being able to feel clean and hygienic and looking good can do so much for their morale, their self-esteem. 
And if you've been a victim of domestic violence, or if you're a military person and you're going through some post-traumatic things and you're able to just feel taken care of, even for 20, 30, 40 minutes, almost pampered, like that, that can be a game changer for the day. Like it can set your day in just such a good direction. And not only that, it can change your life. And I'm, I'm a walking testimonial to it. So not only am I an army veteran spouse, so my husband was oh. in the army, in the military, and we went through one deployment in our marriage. Um, when my, when my daughter was very young, I am a domestic violence survivor Holy and a, a homeless survivor, which I don't even know if that's a term, but I guess that's what I'm going to call it. I went through yeah. homelessness Overcomer. in my life and when I was 29, I was actually at work at my current job and I thought I had a heart attack at work and thank God I did not. So I've literally experienced so much in my life that if I didn't have programs out there to help me, I really don't know where my life would be. I really think that I would be on not such a good path. Um, and I just, I couldn't be more grateful and more humbled and more blessed because I know that that is a higher power, whatever you believe in, mm. you know, for me, it's God. God gave me another chance. My life was almost taken from me. And during that time, I also thought of taking my own life. And to me, when someone or something tells you that, that was, that was not meant for you because I'm still here. Right. You have to do something with it. And if it, this is something that I can do. Haircuts do not cost me money. I already have shears. I have several <laughs> such as shears, which yeah, those cost me money, but I've had them for yeah, a yeah. long time. And I, you know, I got them for a while. It doesn't cost me electricity because I typically use the electricity of wherever I'm at. I did buy a um, generator that I can hook up to my car so that if, there's no electricity I can provide it, which again was a very minimal cost yeah. and water, which, you know, I can turn on my faucet and get, or I can get it from a hose if I need it. Um, sometimes I don't use water if it's in the cold, you know, I don't use water so that they're not cold and it doesn't really cost me anything but my time. Right. And my, you know, my dream is like you said, I want to eventually have like a mobile truck and, and a more mobile and more powerful generator. Right. Um, so that I can go into more homeless camps and do more stuff, but also again, to use that mobile truck to travel across the world. And this is me telling you my jump for the moon story here. No, um, dude, but those are I great. would love to have a chapter of my nonprofit in every state across in America and eventually in different countries of the world. Well, um, so, and that would be my goal. Dude. And what, what I'm hearing is, and it's funny cause you could be like, I have a goal to give everyone a haircut across the world because it makes them feel good. And some people might like poo-poo that, like what the fuck is a haircut kind of a thing. But listening to you, like clearly you're so much more into the psychology and the comforting aspect while giving the haircut. It's not just the haircut and then what walking away, looking good, feeling clean does, but it's also the experience and the relationship of being able to speak to somebody and have someone there to listen to your story while you're receiving this service. Yeah. And, and like changing their life. Yeah. That, that haircut can change your life. When you go for an interview, 
if you do the research, eighty five percent of people who do the hiring say that they judge someone based off of their looks within the first twenty seconds of meeting oh, them. When, as soon the as, as soon as you car- walk in, the two key categories are hair grooming and dress and dressing. Hundred percent. And they, when they when they range them. The employers have said and have admitted that they have not hired someone based off of how their hair and or beard um, is groomed 100%. than how they dress. Dude, 100%. Anytime you have any big engagement, pictures, family barbecues, job interview, celebration, what do you do? Like, what do I do? I'll run out during lunch and be like, dude, can you clean up my neck? Can I just get a real quick little shape up? Can can you squeeze me? Let me get 10 minutes. I'll give you 20, $25, man. Just tighten up the lines around my hair, right? Like that that's 100% accurate. It gives you an and, advantage. And don't think about if you can't afford that. No. Or if you can't right. reach behind you to clean yourself up. Yeah, or right. if, you know, you you know that you don't look a, a good or sometimes I, I, I don't like to use the word approachable because that's not correct term but maybe you don't look as nice with a shaved head you know especially for men they think oh i'm just going to shave my head because i can do that myself yeah well yes you can and some men look great bald and they look extremely professional some men cannot you know you have men that may have come out from a life of former crime you know that is having a hard time. Like they already are, they already have the odds stacked against them. Yeah. Maybe they were in with the wrong people and now they, you know, have, have something on their record and now they're the, you know, maybe they have something that they have to cover up. Maybe they have a tattoo on their head or whatever the case may be. And they don't want to shave their head and they can't afford that basic necessity of a haircut or personal grooming of the face. Yeah. To help you take that next step to to help you get get that job. And it's, it's just, it's obscene to me. Um, and it's really unfathomable to think that, like I said, that one act can make that difference of you having a job and potentially changing your life forever. No, I mean, if you, like, if you just pictured, and, and it's funny because, um, so I'm a school teacher in lower Delaware. And um, I know one of the things when we would go to Philadelphia, something we would have to prepare a lot of our kids for was you're going to see homeless people. They're going to be odd to you. They're going to be on the street. like you, you, And you would try to prepare them for that. So if you pictured a homeless person, unkept as far as hair, but dressed in the best suit, they're, they're not getting the job. It just doesn't fit, right? Like you almost have to have both, right? Even if you had the best haircut and then the worst clothes, almost like the best haircut would overrule the worst clothes compared to the best clothes with the worst hair, because it just shows a personal, a personal, almost like accountability. So I, yeah. I, I think you're absolutely and right. Even, right if it's not, even if it's not a haircut, the hair grooming, the yeah. styling, yes. you know, I know a lot of men who wear their hair long, but they're wearing it back in a sleek ponytail. Yeah. You just show you know, effort, more, right? I call it the executive, you know, style. Yeah. Um, it's effort, you know, man. Or it's effort. their beard, like you mentioned, just needs a little bit of trimming or maybe, you know, their hair is white, but it has a lot of yellowness to it because of the environment. So we want to get rid of that. And we want to, you know, look again, have that look just a, a tweak better, not changing everything. Cause some people don't want to change your hair. Totally cool. But let's find a style that 
I can teach you to do. Yeah, it makes you look or good. Or that, man. yes, that makes it's going to make you look great and get that get that placement, get that job, get that loan. You know, whatever yeah. it is that you're you're seeking. Are you talking about the yellow hair on the mustache because they just smoke too much? No, yellowness <laughs> comes from a lot of different things, but yellowness does come a lot more on the mustache than the top of the hair. Um, but either the mustache or your, again, your ponytail, um, can get some yellowing to it. Um, you can get it from, again, chlorine. Typically you'll get a green cast to it. Um, but if you're in an environment where there's like not clean water, if you have minerals, sometimes you'll get yellowing. Yes. Of course, smoking, um, adds to that. Um, but that's not the only reason. Gotcha. Dude, I think that's a absolute worthwhile moon service type project. Um, especially cause it seems like you, um, you just connect to that on such a personal level. I like, I, again, so we're 48 minutes into kind of knowing each other, maybe an hour with our pre-talk. Didn't think we'd go cosmetology for that long. And I did not think I would hear deployment, domestic violence, homelessness, heart attack, and taking my own life from you. Like no wonder you have a passion to help people going through all that. It's so it's that's one of the lovely things about podcasting. You get to talk to people and like you mentioned, when people look at me or even get to know me, they they don't automatically assume these things, which is okay. I'm not saying you have to assume the worst and everything, but it also shows <laughs> you know don't judge that book by its cover because you never know its content. Um, and you know it it was a lot. It, it was a lot, and it's again, it's what led me to pageantry. It's what led me to competing three years in a row for the title of Mrs. Pennsylvania America and finally winning in 2018. It's what led me to compete at the Mrs. World pageant, which is the largest pageant for married women um, as representing my heritage on my father's side as Mrs. Germany world. And it's what's leading me to really become a a mom on a mission. I mean, I've always been a mom on a mission, but now (laughs) I like that mom. I I really find myself that, that, like I said, I have a gift. I love speaking. I love meeting people. I love talking and I love to prove to people that it doesn't matter where you come from. Every single person in this world has one thing that they're really good at. And if we could all use the platform of whether it be social media, podcasting, whatever way we can record these people's one thing Mm -hmm. and teach other people how to do it. That's a huge thing, right? Oh my God, that is huge. Again, it's teaching people simple ways to change your life. I talk to people, I find out what do you do in your everyday life? Tell me your daily life. And then I find ways to make your, your life more heart healthy. The second thing I do is I tell you my story so that you can realize that you're not alone and that, yes, it's not easy to start to be able to do that, but it's, but I'm hoping that by you hearing my story, that now you are finding the strength within yourself to tell yours because your story is going to be the key to someone else telling their story. And if we could all tell our stories, we could successfully overcome so many of the challenges in this world such as low education 
low disparity in in the food system. Yeah, socioeconomic um, status, job opportunity. Like, yes, how do kids understand about kids opportunity? Yes, yeah. you are you are hitting it. No, um, I've 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 been a, a something I feel about the educational system that I think needs to be kind of readdressed is um, applicable math. And you had spoken about it with talking to your students about budgeting. And it's like, I don't know if how many kids realize like the, what a, what a scam credit cards are or payday loans or what is the mortgage system or how are credit scores derived? Oh, you, like you all hit, sorts you're basically of, talking about financial literacy. Dude, hundred um, percent. Like it's so And overlooked. I didn't learn that stuff in high school. And when they did teach it to me, it was like, the fake family. Yeah. Like, yeah. You play the game of life. You, you get like a card, you're keeping your checkbook good and it's bullshit. Like what needs to and happen? And like I said, I'm not going to lie. Thank God I learned at least that. And again, I have to also remind listeners that I also chose to go to a Votech school. So when you go to a Votech school there, you lose some of your, um, I don't know what they're called now, but like your extra Yeah, it would classes. be electives. Um, but I went yeah, to a regular you. school like, and that wasn't there. Elective. Yeah. No, dude, it's no, you're 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 completely right. And I feel very secure in generalizing it. Like there's a financial literacy that is not available to especially to students, n- number one, who are in poverty, number two, who are seeking student loans to truly understand the three to four to five year consequences of their financial decisions. No, but like mm-hmm. so many people don't have an idea of how it is you get people to loan you money for cheaper rates and how that stuff compounds or how you can set and, yourself and how up. Do you, how, and how do you even start credit when your parents don't have it to help you? Because that's where I came from. Yeah. My parents didn't have the w- ability to buy me a new car and have me on it. They, they just couldn't afford it. Right. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to shamely promote. Please do. A, a person real quick. So I was just recently on a podcast called the 30 girl podcast. And she actually does teach for free financial literacy through her podcast to a degree. And then if you want more customized information, she has pricing available for pretty much every single stage of where you're at. And when I connected with her, you would love her because just connecting with her and hearing her energy, we literally had a podcast for, I think it was like an hour and we were on the phone for like four more hours after that. (laughs) Um, It was just an amazing connection. So I'm just going to shamelessly promote her only because I was recently on her, her podcast and I can genuinely say that that is a resource, at least for now, that people can go to. Dude, that is so. Here's something, and and the the financial literacy, you're you're dead on, and it's awesome that the Thirty Girl Podcast um are is doing things like that. And I I had a couple of kids in, and I shouldn't call them kids; they were young men. But it, they're in that almost cycle of poverty where we started trying to talk about stocks and different ways to buy stocks and then the dividends and just the language. It's very overwhelming about what is an ETF, what is an RIET, what, what does it mean that I own a share or a partial share? Like, how do you purchase it? What is a commission? And like, they don't, there's such a language barrier. But then we get into this thing that's like a 529, which is like a pre-tax thing if you have a kid. And I'm looking at a 20-year-old man and he has a two-year-old son and he's like, 
you mean I can start saving for my kid's college now so that he can actually afford to go like I wasn't able to? And you're like, you were failed. The educational system failed you, man, because you didn't realize if you had a son and you actually, and you're caring about him and you're loving him and you want him to overcome, there can be ways while you're working to help your next generation. And so many people are willing to make that sacrifice, but they don't have the knowledge or means to get it so that they can be, have a better chance at success, which again, well, connects not only to your that, haircut. but that, that, that maybe that $5 that they potentially could put away, they now have to use because something else is blocking their path or they didn't have access to fresh fruit. So they, they may not even have that extra money in that paycheck because they're not in that equality of pay. And again, that's a yeah, whole, well, we could literally yeah, have second. like six podcasts. No, yeah, point, that's, that's definitely, that, that's definitely but, the second level. I'm more talking it, about it's it's just insane to me, like like you mentioned that that budgeting is not at all really well it's real it's discussed. real life budgeting and it it is it's 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 a sour point um it's a thorn in my side that i've um i don't know I have a lot of like ideas about um I've even thought about like gambling to teach math mm-hmm. like odds and betting actual money. Um, to help kids understand probability and how things go. Cause I feel like the lotto can even be a scheme a little bit, but I don't want to get on a soapbox with it. It's the getting to know you pod. It's not the getting to know my tangents pod. Um. <laughs> no, but I love it because again, all of these things are important. And like I said, maybe we'll have to have a part two podcast uh, later where we can just shout on soapboxes about like, why doesn't this make sense? Jesus, can someone come up with this? Um, yeah, let me, let me ask you this. So again, I'm going military, domestic homelessness, 29 heart attack pageantry. You're saying pageantry saved you. Can you kind of put some stuff in line just so I can get an understanding or I guess we people who listen, get an understanding of, um, your timeline. Like how are these things interacting and building in your life? Oh, absolutely. So, um, my whole life growing up, I was a model. Um, my dad was a hobbyist photographer. So I, my whole life growing up, I competed in like modeling competitions, runway competitions, um, bikini competitions, more mainstream. Let me ask you. Um, my dad had his heart attack in 2005 when he had his stroke that left him completely paralyzed on the left-hand side. And it left me and my brother to basically take over our family home. And we were living with a, um, male friend of my brother's and a male friend of my dad's at the time, um, just for financing. So it's the only girl in the house. And then unfortunately, once my dad had his heart attack and stroke a couple months later, we weren't able to finance the home and we lost our family home. Um, unfortunately. So I was 17 when this happened. And so I was forced to move um, over an hour away, which doesn't seem like a lot, but when you're 17 and you just graduated high school and you're not going to college because a huge life event just happened, it's a really, really far distance. So I moved an hour away with my mom at the time and I knew nobody. And so I worked overnight at a restaurant and then I started working actually in bartending in the nightlife industry. Um, and I met my son's father and we uh, fell in quote unquote love. 
And I say that that because I realize now that it wasn't love. Um, And if we, you know, the things that happened in that relationship just weren't what people should do. Can I, I want to pause and I don't, I don't know if you're up um, on a time constraint. I'm not, I'm kind of interested as far as a 17 year old having to deal with the home being taken away from you. Cause what I'm picturing are like eviction notice notices, sheriffs kind of a thing. Like what was, what was that like? Are you thinking about dropping out and like, we got to stay here. We got to save the home. Is that a conversation with you and your brother? So I had already graduated high school, so I did not drop out of high school. So all of this happened right after I graduated high school. Wow. Um, that all of this started to occur and I left the home before the sheriff actually ended up taking the home through repossession, um, through like the mortgage company. So we had a conversation. It was very brief. It was. I can't do this anymore. I know we are trying. If you want to continue trying, I'm here to support you, but I have to make my decision and we need, I need to leave basically. Because you Um, were just looking for that stability or it was like things were just so screwed up over there. So I'm not trying to put anybody on blast, but we were at the point where our electricity wasn't running. Oh shit. We didn't have running water. I was bathing in water jugs that I brought home. Gotcha. Um, we were getting the electricity turned on and off and trying to make the payments. Um, it was summertime, so we oh. didn't have our heat on, but that's, that's okay. Cause it was summertime. Um, and I was, if this is going to sound really bad, but I was leaving my, I had ended up leaving my high school sweetheart because I caught him cheating with a friend of mine in the backseat of my car. Oh my um, God. So no. all of that together. Take, take just, me. Oh my, did you, I, I, can we laugh at that story now? Like, yeah, is he driving kind of your car? Like what, how the, what are the balls on this man? Oh my God. Yeah. And this wasn't a, my best friend or anything like that. It was just an acquaintance. Um, and of course it, since then we, you know, we've reconciled and it's, it's cool, whatever. Um, but you know, it was just a lot emotionally. And like I said, I was very young, so I didn't know any better. So I was just like, you know what, this is the best route for me. No, okay. So that's my move with my mom. Dude, and then you know, what I'm, what I'm wondering is like, how does dude take another girl into your car? Like, is well, he just like a typical, you know, when you're, boy? when you're young, you share your cars, you know what I mean? So he was driving my car and that's kind of, I guess how it happened. Like McDonald's parking lot. How'd you catch him? Um, so I actually, <laughs> I have to laugh because it sounds so crazy. My friend, a girl, a good girlfriend of mine who I'm still friends with actually tipped me off. They sent me a text message that oh. they saw my car at this person's house and I didn't know that that's what was happening and so I was like okay well let me walk over see what's going on I figured maybe there was something going on wrong or maybe something she got hurt like I'm actually genuinely thinking oh like he's helping out and then I walk up to the house proceed to knock on the door no one answered so I realized the car was still there and they were making out in the backseat of my vehicle. 
and you punch the window, you turn on the car nope. alarm just to freak them out or you just walk away and play it cool and then give them like a little text message like, hey, I'm out? No. Um, so I did walk away. Oh, and I was so hoping I, you went like I had to crazy. collect my thoughts and um, I did have a photo of it just so that they couldn't try to say that it wasn't <laughs> them. And I did delete the photo. So I want to make that very clear. I didn't like hold it. I just said, I'm just going to have this just so that they can't try to say that this didn't happen. So you took and, a photo of them and they didn't notice yeah. and you rolled out. Yeah. Wow. And then I dressed it once he came back to my house. Same night. Yep. No. Night. Oh my Same man. Night. Oh my um, man. Did he shower? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just I don't know. I have. Point. I I don't know. I, maybe when he got home, but not at my house. God. Um, God. And so yeah, and so I left, and then again, you know, if we fast forward, I moved in with my mom, what? went to work in that nightlife industry, met my son's father, and we did uh, end up moving in together. We were renting a home, ended up getting pregnant. Um which I actually didn't know at the time I could get pregnant because I was told um, that I, there was a really, it was going to be really hard for me to have kids because I only have one fallopian tube that works. And I was also very, very underweight at the time, not by choice, but just because I was very athletic my whole life. I was a dancer. Um, I was into sports. And so I was very, very small um, at this age. I was not, I was barely over a hundred pounds. I was going to ask, um, how old are you at this point? So are you I was about, I was about 19, 20 when I met him. Um, cause I was 18 when I moved. So it was about 19, 20 when I met him, Man. we moved in together. No, I'm sorry. I lied to you. I just lied to you. I was not 20 because I had my son when I was 19. So it's not 20. Oh, Hold on. I'm like, this is a long time ago, Sean. Yeah, <laughs> You're no, making me dude, think too dude, long. No, 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 um, no. Yeah, it was 19 no when we were together. God, no, because um, and, and honestly, no, and um, I, I again, I don't mean to cut you off. And part of what sucks about doing these without video because of my limited bandwidth is um, you can't read body language. So I don't mean to um, be rude or any time of cutting you off. But the reason I was asking about 19 is because in my head, I'm putting this together of your home, like at, at the age of 17, just graduating high school, your home is in jeopardy. Your high school sweetheart is screwing around and then you're now 19. Like that's a lot of life for a 19 year old. And now you're living with someone and the pregnancy comes like, that's a lot to deal with at a very young age is why I, I wanted to get like contextualize he, it. No. Uh, yeah. And not to mention that during the fact of while I was getting kicked out of my home, my dad just suffered a heart attack and stroke that left him paralyzed on the left hand side. So there was oh, a lot. That wasn't of, previous. A lot, oh my a, God. a lot, a lot. I mean, there's probably so much more that I'm missing. And eventually I'm thinking about writing a book, but you know, <laughs> um, I just don't know yet. So I meet, I meet my son's dad. We were living together and I did have some suspicions that he was using drugs. Um, and confirmed later that he was doing um, opioids, pills, and heroin. Oh, and what I, gave you I, the I, I will tell you the day that I knew for sure, um, which is the day that my life changed forever. 
I was holding my son. My son was under four months old at this time because he couldn't even crawl. I don't know the exact age or date that this happened because I physically cannot remember it. And my girlfriend at the time was sitting next to me on my living room couch. I just want you to picture picture this. You're 19. Yeah. Your friend's sitting next to you. You have your infant child in your hand. He runs down the stairs, picks me up, throws me on the ground, and proceeds to pour beer in my eyes because he thought that I threw away his crushed up pill in the bathroom. And he actually said this to me in a different way, but he said this to me. And I told him no, he didn't believe me. So then after he poured beer in my eyes, he picked me up from the ground and slammed me into the wall so hard that the plaster actually broke. This whole time, yeah. I didn't even know where my son went I because I don't physically remember handing son? my son to my friend. Holy shit. What is she and doing? Is she just like screaming? Is she trying to like, she's just taking care of the baby shielding him? I honestly, I, I don't even remember because I did talk with her afterwards and she was pretty much getting the baby out of the area and trying to figure out what and how to proceed. Right. Like she, there was just, I, I don't even know. We talked about it and she's like, I couldn't even explain my thought process because I was just getting the baby and, and, and trying not to run because I didn't want you to die. She's like, but I didn't know if I should call 911 because I didn't know what else was going to happen. And I thought if I called 911 that I didn't know if he was going to hurt me or the baby. And I was like, you know, we ended up talking about it afterwards. And then when that incident occurred, um, I chose to leave and I walk out to the car. My friend's helping me grab my bags. He left the house that day um, to wherever I don't, I still don't know. Looking for drugs, and, most likely. Looking for the pill. And I I have no idea. Um, so at this point, I'm like, okay, he's gone. I got to get out of here. I go outside and either he did this or someone else he was either in trouble with or no knows, heard about this fight. And he, my, the four, four of my tires were slashed. All four of my tires were slashed. Oh, man. And they also had cut the top to my convertible. So at the time I had a soft top convertible. It was, it was my, it was my fun car. (laughs) When you're, when you're 19, you want a cool car. So that was my car. Um, and so I had a lot of friends and family that basically brought me tires on new rims because I didn't have enough time to take the tire off, put it on the rim and then still leave. They literally bought me new tires pre-mounted on rims and they took my old tires to take back to the the place that offered to help me so I could get away and seal my top so that I could actually drive without harming my child so that I could leave. And then that's when I was actually in my longer period of homelessness because I was given an opportunity to stay at my mom. So I want to make that very clear. My mom did invite me to stay at her house, but at the time and still to this day, she she lives two streets away from two to four streets away from where my abuser was living. And so you just didn't feel comfortable being that close. Huh? I did not feel comfortable being that close. A, I didn't want anything to happen to her or my stepdad or their animals or their Holy cars. Shit. 
You felt um, like at this point, my mind was, my mind was going everywhere. I was afraid if I was going to walk outside that he would run in the house and kill the baby. I mean, my mom was going everywhere. And I also like to say that nothing else happened after this occasion. Was it the and, first instance of abuse? I'm sorry. Was that the first instance of instance of abuse? The beer in the Physical, eye. Physical, yes. Um, verbal and mentally and emotionally, no. But I did not recognize it at, the, at before. Gotcha. And then after I left, I started to think back, and I was like, "Oh, it was definitely there." Yeah, right. You start and, adding shit up, and you're like, "Jesus, this motherfucker." Yep. And and so. I left and I didn't have an actual home for my own for just about six to nine months around that age. Stop, dude. Your baby's four months old and you don't have a home? Yeah, like an actual home because I I had to apply for low-income housing and, of course, there's a waiting period. Right, always. And I think it was about maybe six months. Because he was almost a year old before I actually got an apartment. I, I remember celebrating his birthday in our in our apartment. So my first ever, like, oh, on my own apartment. So between that, I was staying with really good friends who I'm, again, still friends with today. Different family members that my, uh, again, abuser really didn't know too much about or know gotcha. where they lived. And I was kind of bouncing around between between places while setting up this low income housing. So like I said, it was a couple months here and there. And then of course, after I got the low income housing set up, you know, you have to go through so many other different things. So I was doing all that. And then no, it's a whole process. I mean, I'm not, I'm not judging you. It really like that. The paperwork to get into those types of homes, I had considered it when I was actually around the same age. And, um, it overwhelmed me. And I'm like, dude, I'm not waiting fucking six months to go through this. And, and, and verify mind you, all I didn't this. have a job or a yeah. way to prove that I didn't have a job because all of this just happened to me. I'm um, just, so, so that was also a challenge because they, you know, you have to provide proof of income. So I had to go through other, again, um, agencies, so to speak, or other resources to show the domestic violence and have my friend write a statement about what happened. And we did end up filing a police report and I had to have all that stuff to kind of prove that, you know, I wasn't lying about not having a job. So we did that. Can and I? then, like I said, through those programs and, you know, the next positive, we're going uphill now. Well, so I me, went downhill, I, now we're coming I, uphill. Can I keep you downhill just for a moment? Because I feel like it's kind of important. I feel like oh, a, lot of, a lot of time it, it kind of gets overlooked. I noticed you said you wound up filing a police report. So you initially did not file a, a police report like that day, that night, that next day? Um, D- no, it, because again... Um, in my mind, that night, I, I needed to leave. And this is really hard for me to say because I don't want it to sound like this person is awful because they're not. This was a bad experience. But there were rumors presented to me that he was involved with the police officers about where we lived. I'm just going to say that. So you didn't feel comfortable 
filing that report because you weren't sure what would happen. Yes. Or should I not put in your, I should not put words into your mouth. I apologize for that. That's a, that's a, no, 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 that's okay. I'm glad that you asked. Um, but again, I don't want to state something that was not a fact, but it was just heavily brought to my attention that that was a possibility. And so, and people I think can over, I think sometimes people forget how, and I don't want to say naive, I don't want to say gullible, but I don't know the proper synonym for maybe how believable, how trusting, how how just young you are, even though you're grown at 18 and 19, you're so not grown and you're so susceptible to rumors and thoughts and that stuff, like your, your worldview is so limited that you could hear something and it would flip you out and you can take it as absolute truth. So yes. no, I, I, I completely under, dude, if you're hearing a rumor about that, you're, and you just have a child at the age of 19, I'm sure you're just like, dude, I got to get my kid and I got to get out. I'm not trying to be around where harm could possibly be. Yes. And pretty much that was my aspect. And I'm going to say something that's going to sound crazy at this point. It wasn't about saving my life because I was cool with it. Like, I'm like, okay, I lived a good 19 years. If it happens, it happens. But please, Lord, let my son be safe. That's what I was literally thinking. Um, And again, shortly after that, as we start to climb up the hill. There it is. There it is. Let's get positive, right? Um. Well, it gets, it gets, it stays down for a second. It's a roller coaster. Um, so shortly after I left, you know, you start going through discovering yourself, I'm going to call it. Right. And there was a point in time where I hit the lowest of my low. Um, I started to think about all these things, like I mentioned, that I didn't really realize were important at the time, but they just started to come up and kind of haunt me. You know, he would say things like, oh, well, you're not good enough for that. Or you're just going to be, you know, doing this for the rest of your life. Or, you know, what you're you... not pretty enough for that. Or, so, oh, why would you wear that? And I, I never thought about these things. So it, it gave me a lot of self-esteem issues. And again, of course, a lot of trust issues. And I I I speak about this because it. It, it was very similar to experiencing postpartum depression. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to say it was PTSD, but it was very similar to postpartum depression and post-traumatic depression. Um, but there was a blip of a radar where I did seek counseling or I, I did contemplate taking my own life because I started to believe that what he said was true. And this is, and I started to think that, you know, maybe my son was better off without me. So you're still in contact after the abuse. Um, where so he's telling at that you this. point, no, but this is my mind was starting to go through my recovery. Oh, you're, so you're reflecting on things that about he said. all the things that he said about me. Got you. And so I wanted to ask because I've, I've been interested just in a, is it sociological aspect of this? When you had said you grew up doing the pageanting, the modeling and things like that. So him coming at you about looks and you're not pretty enough. 
that's like, is that world shattering? Because you're kind of always been like the pretty girl, the girl that's, and, and I'm not, I'm not trying to like Barbie doll you. And I really don't mean to, if that makes sense, but I'm trying to understand why that struck you so much to the core where it took you to that dark place. Um, so it wasn't from modeling. So I've never actually thought of myself as the pretty girl or the girl who should be doing pageantry. I actually always thought of myself as the outcast, if that's even the right word, or the different gotcha. person trying to ba- break barriers. So you had so that almost like modeling started with me because syndrome. I was. I was considered too fat for fashion as a teenager, which is crazy because I was under a hundred pounds. Yeah. Right. Um, Because I had hips. um, Oh shit. So can I I ask just, and I'm not like, it's like, you don't ask age, you don't ask weight, but like, what was the size where they're like, you're too fat for modeling with hips? Okay. So at this, at this age, I was, it was under, I was under 19 and I was a size two. Holy shit. Are my hips, though, were measuring at a size six. So I was very small in my bust and my waist and my legs, but my hips were much wider. Gotcha. And in fashion, um, particularly high fashion and couture, um, a size six is considered plus size um, in the fashion industry. Now, in normal fashion, you're not really accepted as a, a plus size model until you're like a size 12 or 14. And now that's obviously evolved and changed. But at the time, um, I was kind of too fat for fashion and I was too skinny and too tomboy like for like the glamour modeling. So even though I did bikini pageants and all that stuff, I was very thin. I was very tomboy like Um, I still am. I I still consider myself a tomboy. So I'm not a very it sounds weird because I do pageantry and I love dressing up, but I'm totally a a tomboy at heart. I'm like. Country girl, I like quads or I like dirt bikes, but I'm also a city girl because I like rocking heels and a gown. <laughs> you know, I'm just all kinds of things. Yeah, I'm just me. You're eclectic, man. Dude, um, wasn't Marilyn? So it didn't, it I- didn't shatter me because of that. It shattered me because it was so hurtful. And again, the way that he was saying things and the way that I was starting to feel like this person that I thought I loved really never loved me and that was really kind of what hit me and that you know he could say all these hurtful and really mean things which now I realize was the drugs talking right but it it didn't matter at that point and again like I said he you know was even during my pregnancy like I said I never really picked up on it because you know you're having mommy brain pregnancy (laughs) brain um and, you know, he would say things about, you know, you're going to be a terrible mother and oh all kinds God. of, all kinds of stuff. So yeah, dude, that's he was not, um, around for my son from the son, the time that my son was two, he was in and out of his life from infant to, to, to two, um, because he was trying to go to rehab and we were in and out of, of course, the court system. And I was, I was trying with him at this point. And then, oh, afterwards you tried to reconcile. Yes, we did, and we and we have since. Um, but there came a point in his life where it was extremely dangerous and violent for my son to be around him, 
And so at that point, which again was probably around the age of two, he was he was not in contact with me at all. He didn't see my son. He didn't call my son from the time that my son was about, again, like so around two until the time that my son was having his 10th birthday. Holy um, shit, dude. When my son had his, was about to have his 10th birthday, he did start to um, re-issue his, you know, parental right of having um, some type of custody. We started out with visitation because of the history with drug abuse. And prior to this, I like to mention that he was right. clean for two years prior to pursuing custody. Um, and he's been clean now for, I believe, over four years. Good um, for him, man. Good for him. So if he listens, man. I'm Fuck blessed keep it up. because yeah. when I say I'm blessed, um, I get to live and tell this story. He gets to live and tell his story. Yeah. And I understand that I was not there for that, but I could not be. And I, I'm very proud of him, even though I was very angry at him because now my son actually has, I mean, he's had a, a dad and a father figure. Um, and he does have two dads now, but he, you know, a son needs their biological father. And I they fully do. believe that. Dude, that is like, as hard as it's been. Um, you know, we're still working on things every day. Um, so they started reconciling at 10 and they actually celebrated his 10th birthday together for the first time. And then it turned into, you know, every other weekend, then it turned into um, weekends. And now uh, this year, actually, for the first time, I'm going to let him take him out of state on a vacation for the weekend. Um, so we're, you know, we're moving and we're communicating and talking so much more about just him and his mental health. Cause my son has a mental health disorder and behavioral health disorder. And that's been, again, like I said, it's not an easy experience, but it's phenomenal. Yeah. Well, that relationship has to play a huge part in your son's healing. I would imagine, right? Like that's, that just gives... It, it, it helps it your son. Does. I mean, you, you said it, it better than I can. I don't want to, but a son wants his biological father. There's always that, that hole that's seeking to be yeah. filled and it can get filled with anything. And as a mother, I can't imagine the fear you have that will fill your son's hole. So it has to feel great that your son's father is now trying to fill that hole in the right way. Like that, that, yeah. Jesus. And like I said, I'm, I can't be more blessed because I have an amazing husband and I call him my knight in camel armor because like I mentioned to you earlier, he came into my son's life at the age of two. Um, and so we've been together dating officially since August of 2010. So we're coming up on 10 years uh, this summer and we got married five years ago and he not only saved me from myself, so he helped me break down these walls that I put up. He helped me rebuild just my life and taught me about financial literacy, helped me actually obtain financial independence, helped me learn how a woman should be loved, how a child should be loved. And sorry if I tear up a little bit because it, it kind of makes me cry every yeah, time. You should. Fuck yeah, um, man, you should. <laughs> I like to mention that my husband is, as much as this isn't a relevant fact, it is a relevant fact. My husband is black and my son is white. Oh, wow. 
And so for him to love that child that wasn't his, that he had no legal obligation Mm -hmm. to, right. To take him under his wing and teach him how to be a man and to show him things that he never learned and to show him this love from a man that he never had. Mm -hmm. It literally like fills my soul because no one ever did that for me before. No one ever loved me more than I loved myself. And he, like I said, he taught me how to love myself and he saved me from myself and he brings out the best of me. He is truly the yin to my yang. Um, he's very quiet, but he'll speak when he needs to. And I'm like the outgoing one in your face. Um, <laughs> and, you know, he'll, he calls me on, on, on my, my wrongs and he doesn't always correct me when I'm, speaking my mind or like my heart. So, you know, I, I, he calls them syndelisms. Sometimes I'm in my thoughts so much that I just run my words together and I combine like four different words into one word Nice. and he'll know exactly what I mean, but they're not a real word. Right. Like it's not a real word. Yeah. And so like, he doesn't call me on that, you know, and, but he'll just be like, Hey, did you realize you said this? Yeah. He just translates. Like, no. He rolls with it. You know? And, uh, yeah. So it's just, it's been amazing. And then, you know, when I told him that I wanted to get back into competing, he's like, are you sure you want to do that? And I'm like, yes. And so a director actually found me from me publicly speaking about domestic violence, me being out in the community. And she reached out to me to compete. And I competed in a smaller system, which was Mrs. Pennsylvania American Beauty. It's a smaller pageant system. So there's there's bigger systems and there's smaller systems. So like the ones you see on TV, like Miss Universe, Miss World, Miss America, those are bigger systems. So there's also married versions of those. <laughs> um, so those are also bigger systems. So my first ever pageant was in a married pageant. And again, that could be a whole nother podcast, which hopefully you'll have me back. Um, and I was so excited because I won first runner up. So that was amazing. And then I won the interview award. And the reason why the interview award was so special to me is because it wasn't just top interview in my category. I won the overall interview award, which means I had the highest interview score out of every contestant that was competing that day. Holy shit. Um, and so what'd you talk about? That, like, is it just like, like world knowledge or are you telling a story so up there? Or are you- at that point, um, my platform was domestic violence because I was uh, still learning how to tell my story. Um, it has since changed um, or evolved as I like to call it. And I support two missions now. So the first thing that I support is heart health awareness because of just everything that happened after that, the heart attack, my dad having a heart attack. Um, It was explosive after that. I had friends of friends. I had my friends, parents, um, people I just met having these heart attacks. It was all over everywhere. Everywhere I looked, it was like, this person was having a heart attack. This person died from a heart attack. This person found out they had heart. It was like mind blowing to me. And so I really got into that 
and of course still giving back to my community but i found that i emerged and i use it as an acronym now that stands for education through meaningful experiences realizing that your goals change oh, and deep i like it because I- realizing that your goals evolve and yeah. as i mentioned to you before i really believe that every single person can teach somebody something mm-hmm. and that's what eventually i want to spread to the world like i want to have a platform which i don't know what that's going to be yet because i don't have a room to add that into my life right now <laughs> um but i don't know if that's going to be a podcast or a vlog but i want to be able to bring people where you can either listen or watch them and learn how to do one thing to make your life better you know um so i've been doing that for like i said the haircuts i've been doing for 10 years being in my community i've been doing for over 10 years Heart health advocating I've been doing for almost 15 years this year. I've been doing these things for a long time. And so, Sean, you're probably wondering, well, why did you choose, choose pageantry, right? That's probably the question you're thinking about. Um, I was going to ask about this knight in camo armor because I just love the way you worded it. But yeah, go with it. Tell me about how did you get back? What was it, Miss... So like I, Mrs. I lost Mrs. MRS, which is married women. Yeah. Mrs. Mrs. Pennsylvania American Beauty was the first one I read in. Got you. So I always um, screw up spelling Pennsylvania and that's why I missed it. So Miss Pennsylvania. Okay. <laughs> yeah, dude. How'd you get into the pageantry? So like I said, uh, a director called me, but why pageantry? I'm sorry. Why? Um, it's going to sound crazy, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to guess that you're using an actual microphone right now, right? Um, actually I am not, I'm super low budget. Sorry. Okay. So you're using, let's just say, are you using your phone? No, a uh, MacBook air shout out. Okay. So you're using the computer MacBook yeah. air shout out. Yeah. Shameless plug. Apple sponsor. Um, okay. Now <laughs> I want you to imagine your computer super, super shiny and filled with rhinestones, right? I'm there. And you're out in the street and you're doing your podcast. What do you think is going to happen? I'm going to get a lot of individuals who are um, playing for the other team coming up to me, asking me if I want to interview them. Not only that, but you're also <laughs> going to get people paying attention because it's this bright, shiny object. Well, that's why they came up the to me crowd. asking. Yes. Well, so in full disclosure, if I were doing that with rhinestones on my MacBook Pro, I would be doing it on the boardwalk, which is Rehoboth, Delaware, which is the gay summer capital of the world. Um, shout out. <laughs> so like we're, we're very accepting on these parts of those who play for the other team and it's, it wouldn't be a big deal, but at the same time, you would totally see them dudes coming up to you being like, Oh, this looks so fun. Let me talk to you. And like, exactly. Just, yeah, and so how much exactly. more could you spread your message? If you had that big, giant, shiny, glittery computer? Uh, I don't know if I would get country boys. I think they might be, I might be better off with a camo. No, I'm just, you never know. But my (laughs) is whatever that, whatever that is, it allows you to amplify your voice, right? So when you go into a crowd with a sash and a crown, and I say the power of the sash and the crown, because I did this before by myself, but when you put that sash and crown on, people want to know who you are. Well, yeah, you're center of attention. What's that shiny thing say? What are you doing? Who are you? Right. Why? What? What is this all about? 
oh, there's pageants for married women? I get that question all the time. I didn't but know But you that. look like you're married. Yeah. Dude, I had no idea. I didn't know that that was a thing, MRS, and Pennsylvania. Like, that's a, wow. Huh. Yeah, it's a thing. Well, again, we can have a whole podcast about that. Shameless. We're going to, we need to definitely have another podcast because I'm going to have to totally educate you now. Um, but it allows that opportunity to speak for those who may have lost their voice. And like I said, back to. So does it, well, let me ask you about the miss thing. It, why do you have to compete in a separate category? Oh, that's a great question. Okay. So there are actually three main categories. Some people would say four, but there's three main categories. (laughs) There's MISS, which is M-I-S-S, which is typically for girls who are 18 to 27. And there are younger ages, but we're talking about, again, those bigger systems. I could never compete in those because their main rule is that you cannot have children in most of those pageant systems. Oh. Nor can you be. I had both. I was 19 and I had a, a child and I got married at the age of. Well, how old was I? Uh oh, now I have to do math. Five years ago, at the age of five years ago. At the age of five, minus five. X minus five equals my married age. My brain is still 27. Oh, shit. I have to think real quick. I was like, hold on, I got to do this now. My brain was off for a second, but it just proves I'm human. And then there are the Miss pageants. So there's a pageant called MS, which is typically, not all the time, for women who are 27 and older. And that is kind of an in-between stage. You don't necessarily have to be married, but they typically don't allow married women to compete in that pageant. They do allow divorcees, widows, and that's for people who do have children. Whenever I was younger, those pageants that MS I was mentioning weren't really around. And if they were, I was too young, technically. Then there is Mrs., the MRS, and the only main common denominator of competing in a married pageant is that you have to be married. Um, You can have kids, not have kids. You can have dogs, not have dogs. You have goldfish. You can basically do whatever you wanted as long as you were legally married by your state um, that you were representing. And you have to live in the state or county or country or have some type of connection, whether it's school or work from that state or country. Um, because a lot of times I get asked, well, how did I compete as Mrs. Germany? Um, and that's a whole different system. And then there is, like I said, um, areas of competition for people who are younger than that. So they have like little miss, miss preteen, uh, miss teen and, uh, that, and then they also have, uh, older systems like elite, um, elite miss, which is like, typically for women that are 50 and older. So there are systems out there for almost every age and there are pageants for men too. Um, so I like to mention that, which isn't as popular in the United States. It's more popular in like European countries. Probably because um, of the speedos. It is out there. It is out there. So I, and what you can correct my ignorance whenever, um, why are they excluding miss um miss whatever's because of kids in marriage that seems very um, odd to me is there so it's like just a- to separate categories so 
Think about this, Sean. If you're 18 years old, would you want to be competing next to a married woman that has had three decades of experience of raising children, been across the world? Like, there has to be a little bit of separation no, because you're when you're 18, 18, like, there's a different, men. I don't want to say mentality, but yes, mentality. Oh, no, definitely mentality. There's a different look. And so it's it's just, it's just to be more fair and more equal to all women. Um, so it's not a negative thing. Um, there are some negatives of course, in everything, but it's just like separation of age in divisions of sports. Pageantry is a sport. No, no, Um, but you were separated because you had a child, not because of age and because you were married, not because of age. And I guess that's where. That that's where I get a little like flustered. So for me, with it was because of when I got pregnant. So I got pregnant at nineteen, and when that happened in at that it, at that time in the world, there was no system for women that miss system that I mentioned that MS. No, no, yeah, that's that what I'm asking. Compete in, so I couldn't compete in the misses because I wasn't. I had a child no, out of wedlock. And I'm not talking about you. I'm just talking about, I guess, the overall, and I don't know if you know this, the overall, like, why does that exclude you from M-I-S-S because you had a child? Like, to me, that seems fucked up, but maybe I don't understand something. So it, it I know, and like, I, they don't I want agree to, that it, it's, they, it's hard to understand. It's hard to I guess, accept. I don't want to say it's not hard to understand because the rules are the rules. But I will say that there is a newer system that um, is affiliated in a sister system of the system that I compete in. So I competed in Mrs. America system and the Mrs. World organization. And last year they started a new organization called the Miss for America, which again, we could have a whole podcast about, but that system actually basically did what you said they should do. They have a Mrs. Division for basically any single woman. It doesn't matter. All Their only requirement is that you have to be above 18 and not be married. You can have a kid. You cannot have kids. You can be a divorcee. The only rule is you have to be 18 or older and no, you cannot be married. I can't wrap um, my so head around they it, actually, I can't, They actually I, made that pageant uh, for other women to compete. I can't wrap. And I'm not, I'm not trying to battle you personally. This is just me. Like, and again, I've never thought of this. This is why I love reaching out to different people on social media, just getting different perspectives to help my understanding. So I don't mean to be abrasive or ask this in like a jerkish way, but I can't wrap my head around the fact that you get married as an adult and that excludes you from competing. And I don't want to put you in like an awkward position or anything like that either, but it's like I get the age thing. I would get like clustering at a similar age because like you said, with sports, you get so many years of eligibility, right? Like in different levels. I get that. But who cares if you had a kid? Who cares if you've had I one husband? I want you to think about this as we're not being excluded. We have a separate division. But, I, I want you to think about it is that we're not being excluded, but there's a separate, a separate level for us. Um, why, why and is that's there a because need? when you get married, like I mentioned, your mentality changes. So I don't see it as a exclusion. I see it as an inclusion. Well, because in this particular category, this is what we're looking for. This is the category that you are meant for because we're looking for women like you. 
Do you see so what I'm saying? Let me so ask, just like in division in, in hockey, do you want an eight-year-old playing against a 16-year-old? Yeah. So does it, and it, it may be an over, overly simplification, o- overly simplified way to say it, but because it's miss, are they just looking to have the winners be presented as like young and their life is ahead of them more so versus their lives are settled in this family circle? You know, that's a great question. I don't know if I have the answer to that because I did not start any of these pageant systems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and dude, I'm, um, I'm really not trying to attack you about in it. In my thought process that the MISS, the M-I-S-S division is more, is, is more geared to younger women who are still determining their life, but also have the capability to travel right. with no restrictions. Oh, that's a great point because you got to go everywhere. So if you have a kid and you have a family, like how are you just picking up and going? Oh, uh, and I'm going to tell you that because that's, a, that's a question you have to be prepared for when you become a married woman. Gotcha. So in the married woman, now you're looking at, okay, well, this woman, you know, is still, of course, achieving great things, but they are married. Again, you don't have to have children, but if you do have children, how are you going to do this as a wife, as a mother, um, you know, or whatever those things may be? And what do you want out of this? So now it's more about what do you want out of it? How are you going to do it? And I always add this kick ass and look good. Because of course, <laughs> it's a lot to handle, whole, right? Dude, that's is, a lot. You know what? It, it's, it's so empowering because just like you said, I don't know how you could do it. That's what millions of other married women are saying. Well, I'm married now. I could never do that. Yes, you effing can. And mm-hmm. again, I don't swear, but I will say, yes, you Fucking, can. Oh, I'm sorry. I was trying to fill in the swear word for you. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> um, Yes, you can. And it's not easy. And if it's something that you want and if there's something that you see value in it for, go out and do it. I mean, I will help you do it. I will show you the way. I will lead you to whatever resources that you need. You know, you can pick my brain at any point in time. But I love pageantry. It has taught me so much about myself that I, I again, was relearning. It's, it's made me love myself. Um, when I didn't, it's made me learn that I have a voice and I can make a difference just being who I am. And at the end of the day, that's what it's all about, being the best version of yourself on that given day. And so for me, I always win. Even when I don't win, I win because all I do is win. That's the song that's popping in my head right now. <laughs> um, but you have to remember, I never actually won a title until 2018, and I competed my whole life in various objects, and I still haven't won another title, technically. Um, I have been given a title, I was gonna local say, title, what and happened? a national title, but I didn't actually, quote unquote, win it. Does that make sense? No, I want to know what technically happened that made you, was somebody claiming they had a child and they didn't? so recently i was given and awarded the title of mrs germany world 2020 and i did win it so to speak but it is a it is a um what they call a now i'm blanking on the name 
an, a, a, a given title. So you apply for title. So Germany does not have a, a country pageant. Oh, gotcha. And so you can apply for an at-large title, which means you are sending in your bio. They're looking over your bio. They're looking over your information. And then they decide who technically, quote unquote, wins that title. But there's no physical competition, gotcha, um, gotcha. at least with this system, on a stage yet. Wink, wink. Yet. Wink, wink. <laughs> um, that might be coming soon. Um, but so I was given an appointed title, an at-large title to represent my heritage. Um, my dad, my great grandmother, um, her name was Margaret Braun and her family is from Cologne, Germany. And they moved here, um, before she was born. So they were actually, my great grandmother was born here in the States, but they passed down, you know, generations in history to my dad and just kind of learning about this, the, I call it the German American, you know, heritage, learning about where a lot of our food comes from and how we eat and, you know, all this great history and, and culture has really been just phenomenal uh, growing up. And so I really loved having the chance to represent another part of myself. Um, because as you know, living in America, we come from everywhere. And if you trace your heritage back, you probably can figure out that you weren't originally from here. And on my mother's (laughs) side, um, my grandfather, her father was actually born in Budapest, Hungary. And so I have a whole bunch of like German, Europeanic, European side in me um, that I've been just learning so much more about as an adult. And it's just been, it's been phenomenal. I've been learning to speak both German and Hungarian. Um, I just started learning Hungarian recently, um, but I've been speaking, learning and trying to speak German now for two years. Um, Rosetta Stone or Babbel? What's your go-to? Duolingo because it's based here in Pittsburgh. Oh, hadn't Uh heard of them. You didn't know that, did you? I did not. Yeah. They have a headquarters here in Pittsburgh. Um, So if you come to our airport, you'll see the cool little green owl. Dude, I've Um, heard Pittsburgh is like a sneaky technology place. Like, like, like really, really like the industries that have left as far as like blue collar labor have really been replaced with a lot of technological um, companies. Yes, that is true. We, um, we have a Google headquarters, um, smaller. We were actually on the ballot for the national headquarters to be moved here. I don't, I don't even know where that ended up, to be honest with you at this point. <laughs> um, we have Duolingo. We are the original creator of the smiley face emoticon from Carnegie Mellon University. Is that, we, wait, is that a fact? Do you know about that or that is a, that, that's just what you fact, know? Yes. The original semicolon. Yes. It was cr- created here at Carnegie Mellon university. Look it up. Huh. Okay. Not, not the emoji, the original, yeah, yeah, yeah. like dot, dot smiley face. Yeah. yeah. Semicolon but, or colon. I'm sorry. I shouldn't say se- semicolons. The wink. <laughs> Yeah, the yeah, the so yeah. I want huh. you to look that up when we get off this podcast and figure out where it came from because it came from here, Carnegie Mellon University. And anywhere okay. else is a lie. They manipulated <laughs> Wikipedia. Um, 
um, there was a whole bunch at right after that, of course, all over the world that, 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 or that's kind of cool. It's kind of brings us all together. I love it. And I'm a huge emoji, um, slash gif talker. I love speaking in emojis because it's just, it's really fun to have a whole conversation in emojis. Um, if you've never done it, you need to. It's, <laughs> it's, it's absolutely not something I would enjoy partaking in way too much I, I room for interpretation, would. way too much room for interpretation flips me out. Well, and that's kind of the fun of it. So you can't do it like seriously, but you have to have like fun with it and be like, Hey, what are you doing? Like, you know, uh, fitness emoji, running emoji, jumping jack emoji. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And then, yeah, it's, oh, shit, you just robbed a store and the cops are chasing you. Oh, man, hope you get away. <laughs> well, that's a terrible interpretation. <laughs> I would interpret that as, oh, are you working out? <laughs> no, but see, that's what I'm saying. Like, I would reply with, like, cop lights and a spotlight and handcuffs <laughs> and, like, the smoke and be like, hope you fucking get away. But I would probably be laughing, which is a great thing you because know, like, laughing – you know, makes a happy memory. So I, I would, I would love to participate in a, um, emoji <laughs> conversation with you just if it was for, for, uh, laughter, because it just, it just sounds like it would be great. Dude, it'd be goofiest. You'd, you'd, you'd punch me. What you would send is the like fist emoji just like 38 <laughs> times. And then a couple of like slap emojis after that, there'd be a foot. And then at <laughs> one point there'd be like a bag with, is there a bag with cement? Like the the chains and cement like mobsters. Definitely a, a, a ball and chain, yeah. yeah. Emoji, so yeah. yeah, it would be like the the potato sack bag and the ball of chain and like a river, and it would just be like <laughs> that's where you're gonna end up if you don't start watching your fucking emoji mouth, man. And then I'd be like dot 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 dot. <laughs> that would be it for me. <laughs> I love I love that you're also speaking now in emoji. It's great. I love it. Yeah. So I yeah, love it. That'll be the next pod. The next pod will be straight in emoji talk. We'll see how long that lasts. <laughs> <laughs> visual or auditory emojis for the visual listener. <laughs> That's what it'll be called. <laughs> I love it though. Auditory emojis it. for the visual listener. Your listeners listener. are probably like, what happened to this podcast? God. And yeah, I like. I love it, and it's also just great because the one thing that drew me to you is that a I I just I love the picture that I'm looking at on your social media because it's just like these binoculars with it looks like a headset, but I can't tell if it's no, a headset. No, yeah, it's, so it's, it's headphones with a whatever filter. Actually, um, Kristen, I believe she was the she's from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Actually, um, 29th. She was helping me kind of brainstorm. She was the 29th guest because she was like super shy. She didn't want to come on. Um, but I took this picture and I like was like whatever, messing around with the idea of a podcast. And she was like, dude, that's a dope picture. Let me run that through a filter. Um, but yeah, so anyway, it's the headset that I initially record. Like I do my um, intros and outros on. And I just put them as binoculars because I thought it would be like getting to it know is, you it is really cool and i love i like that visual and then the title of course getting to know you yeah. um was perfect for me because that's exactly what i'm my goal is is this people to get to know me yeah and know that you know i'm i'm so much more than what people think well and that um, that's where i started feeling bad when you were like imagine if you put rhinestones on your computer and i was kind of downplaying it but now i feel like a little bit of a dick because like you brought up a great point about 
that shine and that reflection allows you to not only, you're not doing it to be the center of attention, you're doing it to empower others so that it's easier for your story to be told. Yes. And to cast a ripple of change. So, you know, I really believe in that. Even if you make one person make a change, that next person can create that wave. And it's so much more than that crown and sash, but what you can do with it. And it's, it's really amazing when you see it in person and when you've actually, it's happened to you. Um, No, I'm so grateful. I can't be more grateful. And I couldn't imagine the, um, and you don't want to stereotype, but I guess it would be a little gender bias and I guess I'm okay with that. And I guess I'm okay with saying, I guess, um, to say like, if little girls hear that, they would be inspired by it. Right. Like, like that, and again, not to like Barbie doll you in a way, but little girls look to associate with that. Like it's, it's almost something that they just gravitate towards and to hear such empowering, thoughtful, deep words into someone who's not like, I want to end world hunger because people are hungry and they shouldn't be <laughs> like stereotype line. And you're like, no, it's way deeper. It's way more thoughtful. I'm way more articulate. I have way more syllables and girls, you can be that too. And guess what else girls you can overcome. Like that's powerful it, as hell. Like that's you awesome. On the head. And a lot of that comes from unfortunately media. And of right? course, pageantry has been evolving. So I'm not going to sit here and lie to you and tell you that at one point pageantry wasn't just based on looks because it was. Oh, I so um, wanted to ask you about that. Um, and I'm it, so sorry to cut you off, but the bikini contest, where do you stand or do you want to stand um, with the bikiniing of women? Are you cool with it? Celebration of, yeah, I'm fit. I'm hot. Like I'm sexy. Ain't nothing wrong with being sexy versus you're exploiting me and my curves. I don't need to do this. Um. So this is how I stand. First things first. If you want a bikini body, pick up a bikini from whatever local store you have and put it on your damn body. <laughs> Done. I firmly believe that you are beautiful just how you are. However, I understand the concerns that people may have that stereotyping quote unquote unhealthy images right? could bring to, to a girl. So let me, let me clarify the issue. The issue is in the media. The issue is in the fashion industry. The issue is in who people hire to be representation of models. So in order to change that, yes, you who are listening need to go and put a bikini on your body and take pictures and get it out into the media. Just like everything else. If you're not, if you don't see somebody who looks like you in the media, that is something that you need to do. That's okay? such a great Now point. I understand that it's not just our job and it's not just our responsibility to do that. So don't get me wrong because the people who aren't hiring diverse models of race, size, sex, religion, whatever it may be, they're wrong too, but we have to create the change. So if you think that your size is stopping you from competing in a pageant that has a bikini, you're wrong. I have seen girls, yes, that are thinner naturally. Pageants that I have been a part of promote healthy body weight. They will not let you compete if you get too small. 
they will not let you compete. They will not let you compete if you're obese. Those are two very extremes, okay? But I'm not saying that if you are currently overweight that you could never compete. Our goal as pageant women is to help you become the best version of yourself that that is. And if it if it takes some time to get you there, that is our goal. And it's so important to me to to tell women that it is okay to go out in a bikini and not fear that you're going to be sexualized or that you're not going to be put in a biased situation where men can walk around without their tops off. But, you know, if we're out in public yeah. <laughs> and something happens, we're basically being slammered for it. Even breastfeeding, you know, you're getting, you're getting hammered for trying to breastfeed your infant. Even if you're trying to cover yourself, you're getting shamed for that. What is that? That's the ridiculousness. That's the baby's food. What's wrong with you? I, you know? Uh, I, so, it's a different kind. And it's weird because it is a different kind of brave. Because I feel like dudes and like there's the dad bod thing. But it's almost like it's embraced that, oh, man, you're just pudgy because you got the dad bod. Cool. But like there's no like mom bod. That people are like, oh, embrace your inner mom bod. And that's a total, it is a total thing. And it would change if different people who go to view these pageants or look on social media were able to see people who don't look like, for whatever reason, like Victoria's Secret models. Like, the, the you can't starve yourself. what you think of yeah. and what you see in media from previous years, I'm not saying currently, that you would think, oh, well, I have to be blonde in a size two to win. That is not true. Yes, I'm blonde. So, yes, I'm blonde. <laughs> but I'm not a size two by any means. And I'm okay with that. Now, I will say that I am healthy and I am in a good BMI. And I'm still working on my fitness every day, personally. Not only because of my platform, but just because I want to be healthy and I want to live a long life for my kids. Oh, my God, dude. Well, yeah, um, it helps. It, it, I mean, fitness shouldn't just be for other people. It should be so that you could, you can enjoy your life. Like the, people completely underestimate the, the benefits of fit. It, it's not just a vain thing. Like, oh, I want a six pack. Like, no, that's not the point of fitness. Fitness is so that you can live for others and enjoy your life. Yes. And it's so vital to other things too. Um, and so that part of the swimsuit competition or wearing a bikini is what is so empowering, empowering a girl who maybe struggled with a diseting order to refine and reconnect with her nutrition and overcome that disorder. Or again, a finding and helping a girl that may have been slightly overweight or may have been bullied for her overweight. And now she's finding that an exercise program that works for her. Mm, a, right. I call it a nutrition program that works for her, not a diet. I don't like the word diet. Diets um, are fucked up, man. Diets make you feel like you can't eat things where it's really yeah, like I and, eat everything. And yeah, and well, you can tell, well, <laughs> but I don't care because well, I'm happy. Dude, I, I've always, and I've been a decent numbers person. I'm not like a mathematician, but I understand the very basic and maybe it's because I got one of these garments, but it's like calories in calories out. And like different foods have different calories and eating healthier, each eating closer to nature and less processed is the first step. And guess what? It tastes fucking better. 
you get more energy, you're going to wake up happier and ready to go, and you're actually probably going to eat less and you're going to feel more full. And that's always been the the diet versus, and I forget what you had called it, nutritional lifestyle. I should have been taking better notes. Yeah, basically like a nutritional goal. Nutritional um, goal. Yeah, like, like yeah, lifestyle, lifestyle, lifestyle yeah, is a good word for it too. It shouldn't be you know? a diet. It should just be like, man, it's okay to go like cook at your house. It's okay to buy fresh foods. It's okay to eat natural and healthy, and it's an investment in your body. And you're going to see those dividends, and you're going to feel those dividends. Yep, and it all starts back to that education. So, how can we educate people on simple ways? How can we change without negatively affecting our culture or our history? And how can we get access to those foods to lower income housing so that they also have a chance to make adequate change? Um, And it, you know, how can we do all of this as one person? And it goes back to that thought process. Well, what, what is one thing that you do? Great, Sean. So tell me one thing that you do really good in your life call people back who hang up on me after I laugh at them about talking about bikinis. Okay. So you call people back. (laughs) That's important. You want to know why? Because if you like to call people back who may hang up on you, I would tell you, okay, so teach me how to call someone back who doesn't want to talk to me or teach me how to reach out to somebody for the first time. That would be your job. How do I reach out to somebody to get them the help that they need? That would be what I would say I would want you to teach me about and how to do that. And what are some things that you can do, which you already did that, you know, yeah, yeah. that would and be th- what I would have you do. And so now figure out that have, one thing. Yeah. And people are feeling empowered. Um, yes. I, I wanted to go back to, I love how you said you don't call it a diet. So something that really pisses me off the more I learn about Corona is um, social distancing, right? Like the fact that they use the word social versus physical, I feel has innate subconscious connotations that fuck people up and make us now avoid eye contact, smiling, being social because we are supposed to socially distance. And I feel like diet along much along the lines of like the word consequence has this negative connotation to it. And I really liked how you were like, no, it's just a eating lifestyle. It's a dietary choice versus get on a diet. And I feel like that's huge because it, if people feel on a diet, they almost feel like they're in prison or they're restricted or, or they're limited in their consumption or choices. And it's like, no, that, that, that's not what we're talking about. Yes. Um, so I, I agree with you to an extent about the wording of social distancing. Um, but I, the reason why I say to an extent is because I, truly believe that we don't really understand the meaning of social. So social can mean several things. It typically means gathering in groups of quantities to perform activities, Uh, Um, whether that's educational uh, or whatnot. So I do understand what you mean when you say that. Because at first I was like, well, this is really awkward. Like I want to be social with people. So I actually per- do prefer the term physical distancing right? Um, because it actually makes more sense. 100%. Um, like but you the can other thing that I'm it. realizing too is I smile a lot and you can tell in my eyes, but I smile all the time at people with their mask on and I'm yeah. like, oh, wait, 
I have a mask on. I so wonder if people can tell. Like I, I make like I make a concerted effort. Like I seek eye contact as I go to the grocery store. And like I'm eyeing you down. I started to wave a lot more. Oh, you know, I need to start doing that. Just like the whole like Mr. Rogers, like over over enthusiastic, like, hey neighbor, wave. I need to adopt that. You know Mr. Rogers is also from Pittsburgh, right? I did not. Shout out, Mr. John, we are gonna have to have a whole Pittsburgh podcast. We're gonna have to have a pageant podcast. Like I mean, if you're you're just stacking them up here. If you're that kind of expert, hell yeah, dude. I love it. Like I, I did not know. Um, my, my Pittsburgh knowledge is very limited to, um, I think it stops at Andy Vance like. Okay. So now you know that Mr. Rogers was from Pittsburgh and it was at one of the first ever, uh, channels that were ever on the TV to wait. So did it really bloom? Like, did he start off local in Pittsburgh and then he just yeah. fucking went off nationally? Yes, but he filmed all of his stuff in Pittsburgh. Shut up. Wow. No, I shouldn't tell you to shut up because you're on a podcast and I want you to talk. But like But I I meant what I understood whoa. what you meant. Like <laughs> mind blown moment. Exactly. Dude, no idea. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yep. No. Um yeah, Doesn't I, that make you want to wear a red vest now? <laughs> um and get some uh good hair dye might have to have you um maybe if i send you a selfie you can kind of tell me where i can fade the gray in to make it more appropriate for the red vest i love it do it <laughs> like is there is there a reverse and then, and then just... you gotta get some puppets no. too yeah and then i feel like shortly after i would be arrested handcuffed and taken away because i'd be in a park just like talking to children and they'd be like you're sick Get out of here, bro. Thump, thump. No. No. No, we would appropriately. We're talking about making you into the next Mr. Rogers here. So good. And like full disclosure, I mean, I am a teacher. I do have a a background check. I am okay to be around children. (laughs) Like, (laughs) it's not. It's not a deranged thing at all. I guess it's funny, man. Like sometimes I get these images going in my head almost like a hamster wheel. And I just like keep rolling them forward as fast as I can to see like what the um, odd natural consequence would be. I can relate. But yeah, that's a side note. Um, Jeepers, Sandel. Did I nail it? Earlier, it's been... you, earlier you asked me, and I don't know if you wanted to go back to this. Um, you said that you wanted to touch base more about my knight in camo armor. Yeah, I didn't I, know if you wanted to talk about that because I know we've been on for a while. No, um, but I just I didn't want you to forget because um, of course we're both jotting notes down. So of course I'm like, oh, he wanted to ask me this, but then we talked about something else. And you're jotting notes too. The professional, I love it. No, yeah, tell me about how do you go from, I mean, a, a young adult with a child to meeting this knight in camo armor because. I I was interested when you kept saying about this nightlife job. Is this nightlife job like you're a bartender and you're near a military base and you happen to serve drinks to this guy and he's like trying to hit on you or how did that happen? I, I love that you asked me that and you're you're almost right. So God, dude, I so try I, to be right. I was a bartender, but we weren't near a military base. And he would come in with his friends, sometimes in uniform, sometimes in not. And when you're a bartender, like, you don't really talk 
talk to either of your customers. Like you're just like, eh, you're here, whatever, whatever. whatever. <laughs> um, but there was this night, and I have to laugh because it's hilarious that I was actually doing a um, bottle service, and so oh I was God. wearing really, really tall heels because I just got them in. And I, again, like I mentioned earlier, I love heels. So let and, me, I'm sorry um, to pause you. How tall are you? What, Hold on, wait one huh? second. Well, so you've mentioned your weight. Is it offensive if I ask your height to picture oh, you in I'm the heels? I'm five eight. You're five eight, and hit, how 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 high are these heels? The heels that I was wearing that night made me six foot one. I was about to say, oh, you're getting it. Yep, keep going. Then okay. all right, now we got the picture. Okay, so uh, you know, just bottle girls they like to wear heels. I just, I like to wear heels. So you know, a cute cocktail dress. You're wearing heels. You're you know you're taking the oh, bottles to different areas and I, I saw him there with his friend and his friend had the Wisconsin cheese hat on. <laughs> okay. So they must have like just he must have just had a game. But you know what I'm talking about, right? Like the big foam cheese hat. Yeah, yeah, the triangle. The Swiss and cheese. It looks like Swiss cheese. But a triangle at this of it. Point, um I had I was talking to all their friends and uh you know I knew him and I was like, dude, what are you doing wearing that? But he was so little short, and I don't mean this in a in a bad way, but I could literally put my arm on top of his head with this teeth hat on. <laughs> and he was like, You're really intimidating with those heels on. And I was like, and like <laughs> again, because we're in the nightlife industry, and I'm like, so yeah, right. And then I looked at this at, looked at what now is my husband, and I was like, Am I intimidating to you? And he was like, no, like, Wait, and he said it in the most, like, like I said, that resting man face voice, like, no. And I was like, oh, really? Well, we're going to see about that. So, and so hold honestly, on, wait, wait, that pause, was like pause, the pause. initial connection. So pause, pause, why, if they're there with friends, why'd you turn to him? You had to be feeling my man. Like on the walk up, you had to be eyeing him up and being like, fuck this cheesehead guy. I'm actually using him to get to hubby honestly no. yeah of course i was attracted to him but that wasn't my initial response for turning to him and he was just genuinely the person to my left and I, my <laughs> hand was I, like it was my right arm that was on this guy so genuinely <sighs> it, like i was talking we were in a circle so i was talking to kind of all of his friends that's what i was from thinking. the military which well, there was one female um there as well um who you know we we were we were I'm actually still friends with her today. I'm still friends with pretty much all his army buddies um, because obviously he's still friends with them. Um, but that initial kind of moment. And so I was like, Hey, you know, this is actually one of the very uh, bold moments in my life. I don't tend to ask men out. It's not my forte. And as you heard my experiences with, my choosing of uh, people weren't, wasn't going, it, my history just wasn't on my side. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, Hey, you know, I was like, if you come back, text me because I'm always here. And a, I was always making sure what they were drinking was ready. Um, Cause I find that so important, especially for military members and people that are coming like right off of work. Like oh, yeah, they're coming they right off of work. They, they want to relax. They want their, their spot. You know, um, and I was pretty much had their order memorized. So I was like, you know what? It was initially as a 
just say, Hey, like I want to help you guys out. And yeah. And you're going to get a really good tip with it. Of, well, that was besides the point, but he, <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to sit here and lie. He was definitely attractive. So in the back of my mind, I was flirting with it, but I was like, I don't know yet. Got so you. this is again, where it gets a little bit more funny. So I left for vacation to Myrtle beach with a girlfriend of mine who moved away. And I had been talking, not dating, but just kind of talking to a a guy before I left. And I met Kenny, which again is now my husband. And I really wanted to see exactly where this was going because I didn't want to even have this thought process in my mind of, I don't want to say flirting with another man, but like, I'm just not, I'm not a person to talk to multiple people at one time. Like that's just not me. Um, So we weren't dating. Like we weren't in a relationship. We were just kind of filling each other out, so to speak. Um, So this was a couple, it was about a, a week after I met Kenny, but it was a few weeks after before I left. So there was some time in between and, you know, I called this guy up and I was like, Hey, you know, I kind of want to get in a conversation that maybe a little too deep at this point, but like, I just kind of want to know what, what's up because I, I, you know, and I actually was very honest with him. I was like, I just met somebody who I'm, I'm very interested in. Like we had a really great conversation. I still, you know, want to know where this is, but I'm just, I'm going to be honest. Like this isn't, I'm, I'm not getting what I'm wanting to get. Um, and he, pretty much uh agreed and so i went off on my my vacation feeling good with high hopes and then um you know i'm talking to my friend about this guy that i met at the bar which was my husband is my husband now and she's like well you should call him and see what he's doing on his way back and i call him and he's not here he was um (laughs) in another state (laughs) Too. So it was just kind of funny. So we ended up making a quote unquote date night, which I'm calling it that now because it was really what ended up being our first date. It was like a hangout sesh where him and his, a couple of his buddies came over to ride me and my girlfriend on the back of some motorcycles. And like I mentioned to you, I don't know how he's still with me because I was so rude and I didn't realize that I was doing this. His friend had a Ducati, which is a really sick motorcycle. If you've never ridden a Ducati or you've never seen it, it's like I've up heard. there as far I've as like sports bike. It's yeah. gorgeous. It's sexy. It's it's, it's got like, power. And I was like, I want to ride on his bike. Oh, and my meanwhile, gosh. this guy came and picked me up like I was so mean. So I didn't end. I did end up riding on his bike, and I'm going to tell you. That it's so funny because karma got me. So we actually went to Kennywood. And I rode with, again, my now husband for the whole way. But when we got to Kennywood, he's like, well, why don't you ride in the parking lot with him? Because you really wanted to ride on this bike. I just I just needed to feel the power of the bike. Like, I just needed to sit on the <laughs> Ducati. Okay, It's like sitting, it's like going in a Ferrari and not being able to, to drive say. it. Yeah, and no, right? it's, Ducatis are Ferraris, man. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. So... I, we were riding up this big, long twisty turn. And if you don't know what Kennywood is, it's an amusement park. And they have this big hill that you can drive up to park on. 
to ride a like almost like a ski lift down the hill to the amusement park. So we're like, oh, we're going to ride the ski lift. I almost fell off the back of this bike because I wasn't holding on enough. And it's so <laughs> powerful that when he started to go up the hill, like I jolted a little bit. I was like, oh, shit. And um, it was just, it's hilarious because we laugh at it now because he saw it and he's like, that's what you get. <laughs> and so again, it just was that conversation and that like almost wittiness that caught my attention. And then, you know, we, we had a great time. We ended up going back to Kennywood um, multiple times and just kind of talking a lot through texting and uh, chatting and calling. And, you know, it was kind of his persistence of, you know, getting back to me, even though he wasn't always actually able to, you know, there was times where he was training for right. the military. So, you know, he was, Dude, that's so hard for people, especially if you're trying to um, establish or develop a relationship. Like military dudes, like it, it's not like a regular job where you can just fucking like reply in a text at my lunch break kind of a thing. Like these motherfuckers are out there for days at a time with like no contact, weeks at a time with no contact. Yeah. At this point, he was um, training for deployment. So he was home in the States and he was on a base. So he was, he was able to call, but when he had like, um, drill, like, you know, you're busy all day. So yeah. there was, there were some times where like, yes, you, like you mentioned, like a couple of days where you can't talk or chat. And, you know, at the same point, like, you know, we're, we're figuring out like who each other is. Like he knew I had a child. I was very upfront about that. Um, just because I knew that, you know, I didn't want to just, you know, be, Again, like I said, wasting my time or talking to somebody and you wanted to make sure it wasn't a deal breaker. Yeah, and 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 I just I'm not about bringing people around my son's life who aren't going to be in there his life for a long right. period of time. So it took me yeah. a long time to introduce him to my son, and then it kind of just happened from there. He's been in my son's life since he was two. He's such a great dad. Um, you know, we have a child together now. And I just, I always use the phrase knight in camo armor because he is my true version of my Prince Charming. And I mean that in every way because everybody says, you know, my nickname is Cinderella, which I don't know how that's a nickname because it's actually longer than my name. Um, <laughs> but I'm guessing because A, my name's Cinderella, and B, you know, I have blonde hair and green eyes, kind of like Cinderella. Um, she is my favorite Disney princess, but oh, she can't be. Oh, I, now she now I'm is just mad until at you. until now, okay. Now, hear me out. Until on, recently, come on, man. And then now, my new favorite is Moana because she looks just like my daughter. Oh, like Moana and my daughter could be twins. They, that's how much they look alike. Um, so I I now also love Moana. But Cinderella was like old school. Like I grew up on Cinderella. Um, again, it was that she looked like me. Right. Um, which I feel is so important that they've expanded and added Disney princesses from every. Oh, yeah. Culture. And genre. It's yeah. so, so important. Well, it goes back to the what you were saying about bikinis and pageants, man. And, and it's just it, 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 it. And I forget when we covered it because we're going on almost two and a half to three hours now, but like just the ability to see people do things 
allows you as an individual to know I can do it and then some. And that's a yes. huge thing for people. Um, so no, it's awesome that all these princesses are um, diversifying because dude, honestly, like Cinderella bottom two, for, Cinderella Snow White. I, I feel like Snow White's my bottom. Cinderella's right there. I don't know if there's a, I don't know if there's a second most hated princess of mine than Cinderella's. <laughs> She just took so much crap, dude. Like, why? Why are you accepting this abuse? There has to be another way. I, 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 I don't know. I don't want to get into it. I'm not saying you're wrong for liking Cinderella. So, okay, I understand now. Okay, I understand. And that's okay. Like, but again, I, I that's, go from like a plot. We can add that to the, the podcast. So princesses, pageants, um, <laughs> Pennsylvania, princess, all things P. We need an all things a P princess podcast. deep dive because... I like I've actually wanted to do this where like I get into the plot events of each princess and really like analyze their judgment and their decision making. And like honestly, top top for me is Belle. Belle, Beauty and the Beast. I'm like, yo, she's I, I don't know if um, she gets beat. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right? Like the, she just was like steadfast, determined, knowledgeable, taming, right? Like Belle was just that girl. And Mulana actually is very much, Mulan is the other one where I'm like, Mulan, you know. Um, yeah, Mulan is definitely up there. Um, but that's that tomboy empowerment thing where it's like, you're not limited so, to your I mean, role. I, I don't know. If I have to like order them, that's so hard. I, I don't, I can't do that. That's like asking me which child is my favorite. Like, Oh my. Yeah. I, I, just, I don't think I could order. Pa I don't think I could order them because there, there, there's so much difference between the princesses that I, I just don't know. I don't know if yeah. I could do well, that. You almost <laughs> have to take into like context too, like what was going on socially when they were created. Right. Like yes. Moana was not created back when Snow White was. So you look at mindsets, you look at who's drawing, you look at who's writing. I mean, it, it all makes a difference, but that, that would be an interesting to get up with someone and to be like, Hey man, let's rank our top Disney princesses. Like Ariel. I don't, I, I, I feel like Ariel is a little overrated. Um, like, I, I don't know if she actually, if she deserves the publicity that she does, that she gets. Um, I think Mulan underrated. I feel like Mulan's way over Ariel. Did I go down I think the rabbit you hole? The nail, I, I think you had the nail on the head. It's like you have to analyze like what was going on when that was happening. Yeah. Um, you got to get the year and you got to get the writers. We're, we're too in deep for that tonight. We're too that in deep. True. All right. Let me pivot to this. So Sandell. This is how I end my podcasts and every guest I've spoken to has not made it through an entire podcast because all of these things are too long. Do you know what's coming your way? No. Yes. If I Fantastic. said I'm going to know what's coming my way, I'd be lying. Good. I appreciate you not lying. Get ready to tell a story because what I'm asking for is your best first for last. We've saved the best first for last. Sponsored by Abstinence. Waiting makes it worthwhile. My best first for last. 
Yeah. So I try to make it all dramatic and shit and um, it like makes people super nervous and I don't mean to be a dick by doing it, but I try to like build it up. Basically, you know how you save your best for last, like desserts for last because it's your best. Uh So it's the getting to know you pod. So give me a best first experience for last and it can be anything, any best first you've ever been through for last. I would have to say that you my haven't shared best yet. first experience was getting married to my husband because it was the day that I knew that I loved myself, that oh. I found someone who loved my son, and I finally realized that love conquers all and it taught me more than I could ever imagine to have a best friend for the rest of my life and who can be silly with me and grow old with me and complain with me and literally just love me um it's probably my best experience in life what do you mean helped you to realize about loving yourself? Like, and feel free to tell stories, man. That's kind of the thing, right? Like, so I'm curious about course, that. Of course, you know, as a mother, we love our children. Um, but as I mentioned to you before, I was so still learning about myself when I had this child and yeah. I was learning how to be a mother at the time Yeah, so young. that it wasn't until my husband came along that I fully even think that I loved myself. He reminded me of things that I had forgotten, like who I was as a person. He saw my heart when I couldn't, when I was still closed off and he knew I was a kind person. He knew what I wanted for my, my, my child. He knew that I wanted to love that. I wanted to be better. I just didn't know how to say it. I didn't know how to do it. And I was still growing in, in, being a woman and at the same time I was still hurt so so hurt just from life right so by supporting me and not leaving he learned he taught me that I can love myself that there was nothing wrong with me that I was not the cause of the problem that I was an amazing woman, that I was an amazing mother, that I had the right to live and that I had the right to dream and that I had the right to want to continue to do great things. And he pushed me to go back to school. And again, like I mentioned, helped me with that financial literate, that financial literacy. He taught me things that I didn't know. My husband is eight years older than me, but he was just, so different from anybody that I ever met mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, you name it. Um, and, and I didn't, I didn't know when I first met him that he was going to change my life like that, but, but he did. And he changed my child's life for the rest of his life. And he made me become the mom that I am. Does that make sense? Like I would have been a mom no matter what. 
and I love my child and he, he, of course my children are great experiences, but I wouldn't be the mom that I am without my husband helping me realize the potential that I had there. That's beautiful. Um, and how old were you when you got married? And, and, and I forgot his name. Shit. I'm now I'm like putting pages on the podcast and I should be more professional. What's your 27. husband? And what's I was your 27 husband? when I got married. And what, I'm sorry, what did you ask me? Oh no. What's his name? Oh, his name is Kenneth. Kenneth. He's Ken. I'm Bernie. He's like GI Ken. Uh, and I'm like, and together we are the hashtag Taylor gang, non-affiliated. Hashtag Taylor King, non-affiliated. Um, um, so, man, dude, so, we, no, well, I'm just thinking like timeline-wise, going through everything you went at tw- er, 1920-ish to 27, I-, I was struck by the fact that you're saying like, I, you were so doubting, like you really had those like self-esteem doubts. And like- I did. Yeah, I mean, that's- Especially, I would say within the first, two years of us dating it was it was rough um and then um when I had my daughter when I was pregnant with my daughter um we were not married but again we were in a committed relationship and we found out that before I actually we found out before I got pregnant that he was going to be deployed so he got deployed in 2014 uh, to Kuwait and we were talking about having children and we had talked about potentially trying when he got back, but God had another plan for us and decided to give me Anastasia before all this happened. And so <laughs> we had our daughter, I had my daughter right before he deployed. My daughter was four months old when he deployed and even through that, like people think it's crazy because I said that the deployment strengthened our relationship. Um, and it for sure did, but going through again, the programs that were out there for military spouses and even though I was in a spouse, uh, military family members and learning about all the things that the military had to offer people like us, uh, taught me so much. Mm. And, like I said, I can only say I'm I'm grateful because I truly believe that God did that. God knew that I needed someone. Right. And he put him he put him there that night for me. And he kept putting him in my life. He kept inserting him into my life. Because what I didn't tell you, Sean, is that before I actually spoke to him in in person, I had served him before. I can't remember the year he told me, but he remembered me. It was him and his brother that were at my bar and I had served him before. And I had actually been talking to to him and his brother before this all happened before I actually like acknowledged, not, I don't want to say acknowledged him, but like, yeah, you gave, you gave him the wink wink. Yeah. You gave him the wink wink. You were like, yo bro, the light's yellow. You can speed through if you want to. Let's see what you got. And what's so crazy about this entire story, Sean, is the first time I met him, it was at the bar that I was serving when I met my abuser. It was at the same bar. Oh, full circle. Around the same time frame. 
right? And then when I was reintroduced to him, this was in a new bar. He didn't know me. He didn't know who I was. I mean, he knew my name, but I don't even know if he, at the point when we first re-met, he's like, he just told me that it looked really familiar. And then it finally came to him. The new bar that I was working at was in Pittsburgh. So these bars were over an hour away from each other, more than an hour away from each other. That's cities. That's literally a county away from each other. So what are the odds that that night that I was working this second bar that his friends were going to come in and then recome in to establish a more of a routine that would eventually turn into this. And you mentioned earlier, was I right next to military base? No, but the military base in Pittsburgh is up by the airport and it's not that far from where I was working at the time. It's about less than 30 minutes. So while it's not right there, um, it's not far, far away either. If that makes any sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's gotta be drivable or gettable, right? Like, yes, it was drivable. And he, um, my husband was living in Washington, Pennsylvania at the time. And so that was also a, about a 30 minute drive from the city of Pittsburgh. Um, like where I was working. So he wasn't far away this entire time, but yet I never saw him, you know, before. So it's, it just reminds you that, you know, it can happen anywhere. And I know people say it's cliche not to meet people in bars, but it's worked out great for me. So I don't believe in that. Given all the bottle service girls hope. <laughs> All the ladies you know, and I'm out like there. That I, I would have never potentially did that um, without, you know, a approval from my boss because we all had um, like work phones that were supplied by our work that we could text VIP members on that signed up. Are you and serious? So how this, Wait, that huh? is insider information to me. Well, this was when the industry was starting. So. Oh when the industry kind of was starting, you would sign up for their app and give the bottle scrolls consent to reach out to you with special deals and promotions or the bar. And it was really the bottle girls kind of marketing, like the social media right. um, messaging, the VIP, you know, current VIP members sending out promotions and stuff. So it started off with getting him in again, just, just out of, wanting to do something for the military members that were coming in into the VIP and then change into me actually asking him for his phone number. Um, which was again, a very big move for me. And you really had to ask your boss about that. Like that was a thing for you. You were, you felt like you would get fired asking for this guy's phone number. Um, so I wanted to be very clear about the policy. Um, Uh, I was not in any position to be fired. Yeah, I so bet. I freaking bet. I, 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 I was, again, I didn't just didn't, I, I had read over the policy, but I just wanted to be sure. So I was just like, Hey, um, I just wanted to reread our policy about guests. <laughs> like they asked me why. And I was like, you know, I really want to talk to this person. I, you know, I've been serving them and they were like, as long as you, you know, they approve and you know, you, you're both consenting and you're not doing it on our phone 
you know, that you're doing this on your personal phone and not like reaching out to them for anything else other than business on the business phone. God, like, yeah, that makes sense. They basically gave me the approval. So it's more just from a, a legal perspective and again, a respect for my bit place of yeah, business. Yeah. yeah. Um, and again, like I said, I, it was a very bold move. So I was super nervous, of course. And like, I didn't know how it was going to be going over. I didn't want him to not want to come back to the bar. Cause again, I genuinely just enjoyed their company. Um, and if that would have happened, I would have been cool with it. Um, but I'm, I'm so glad that it turned into something else. <laughs> Here is my last question, just because I grew up waiting, bartending, whatever. Um, what percent tipper were he and his boys on the bottle service? No comment. No, you can't. No comp, dude. We are almost three hours deep at this point. Um, fifty okay, percent. So I'm, I'm not asking for dollars. I'm asking no for percent because you comped everything. They were, they were, they were phenomenal. Uh, um, I, uh, at least, I think the least I ever got was forty percent on bottle service. To put in perspective. Like, I, I don't know. Can you give us some perspective without being too specific if you don't feel comfortable? Because again, like, oh, I got a martini, $15. Oh, I'm going to leave 20. I'm a great tipper. Like bottle service is well, a that whole is, nother. That's pretty good. No, no, no. Uh, you no, know, I'm, that, I'm, it's, it's better than most people. 100%. Um, so but just to put I don't it in perspective, if, I definitely don't work, work bottle service anymore, but I'll just kind of well, back do then. an estimate. Yeah. So let's say you have your low well, low well liquor. So this is the liquor that the bartenders use in their well. It's the frequently liquor. It's the cheapest liquor. Yeah. Let's say that bottle originally cost $15. Well, that bottle at the club is like $100. So typically bottle girls get a percentage of what they sell. Not all the times, but oh. typically. It's not a very high percentage, but they get a percentage. And then you serve the bottle, you, you know, serve their drinks. And sometimes depending on the drink that goes with it, there may be an additional charge, which you may also get money off of that, but you also have to tip your bartender out. So you have to tip your bartender out, you have to tip your bar backs out. You have to, even if they don't clean or make any of your drinks for you and you get all your own stuff, which I did a lot. You still have to tip everybody out. Right. And then if you work in a club, it's recommended that you tip your bouncers out because your bouncers are the people who keep you safe. Want to get their um, back. Yeah. So, of course, you know, I, I, we did all that. So having really, I, I say the tip is what makes the difference because otherwise I'm making the same amount as a bartender, making $2.74 an hour <laughs> to run around making your drinks personally personally not just bartending and behind the bar and you wait in line like when you say make me a drink i'm making you that drink or it's already ready for you because if i'm that good i'm watching your drink and i'm making sure that you either aren't driving or you have the capability to get a ride home yeah yeah. and then you um you know you get that tip so gratuity in this country is not what it should be it definitely should be a minimum of at least a minimum of 10%. And that's if you have oh, terrible, terrible service. Dude. Yeah. Um, dude, you really got to fuck up to get below 20. Honestly. Like, but, you should. Yeah. And I, I agree with that, but I say, you know, 20% is actually 
in in around where we we live is considered okay right and then anything above 20 right now again in in our industry is considered great yeah, so 100% dude 20 is the minimum 20 is the floor like 20 is you got no personality you fucked up my order but you you're like overwhelmed and you're trying and all right man i can understand it like yeah, but you see it differently because you're a server. Oh, 100%. And you, 100%. you've done bartending. 100%. People who don't work in a tip industry they don't, don't understand it. that don't get it. that is how you make money. Yeah, they don't get um, it. And they also don't understand like the physical, mental, and all the other stuff. Um, yeah, just the, the multitasking, it. juggling that you're doing, trying to cater to like blank amount of people's needs. Like everyone yeah. tips like it's all about them. It's not all about them, man. Motherfuckers have sections. You know, like people have multiple needs and personalities that they're considering. And oftentimes people who tip don't take that into consideration as to why they may have perceived they got poor service. You know, they're not aware enough to understand what a bartender has to does has to do to take care of 12 people at a bar or, and I've never done bottle service. Um, I guess I could in the um, location that I live in. <laughs> Maybe I don't have the abs to do bottle service at the location that I live in. But like I, I couldn't imagine um, being at a table and trying to like take care of a smaller clientele. So the 40%. Yeah, sometimes small. Sometimes they're big. Sometimes if you have a, a – if you're a bottle girl, you have a whole section of people. You know, if they like are in – uh, the, like, you know, sometimes they have like, um, a VIP lounge where it's like, you could fit 20 people in there. So if you're uh, one person, oh yeah you know, so you're that's a full bar. 20 people and, and you're like yeah. at their call, yeah, you know, yeah. it's not like you can walk away and be like, I'll be right back. Gotcha. Like you have to make their drink right there. Got you. Yeah. No, that puts it into perspective. That does. Um, Sandel, I feel like I made it almost three full hours without completely butchering your name yes he did he and did I'm, fabulous and i'm pretty proud of that um i won't lie i had to underline it phonetically and break it down for myself um to not screw it up but <laughs> all that to say thank you for um spreading your message i don't know if you're wearing the tiara and the sash but i feel like your message was poignant is nonetheless the wrong words or poignant without them. Like I really, I really appreciate you just being so honest about overcoming and just working and about wanting to serve people because of um, what you've been through, man. Like the shit's inspiring, dude. It really is. And I, uh, I can't thank you enough for giving me so much time. Well, thank you so much. And like I said, we definitely weren't planning on this being three hours, but I'm glad it was. And I'm glad that we kind of talked about a little bit of everything. And we've also now scheduled 47 other podcasts that all start with the letter P. No doubt. Um, the 47 but, Ps. Um, again, thank you so much for your time. And I hope that your listeners listen to the entire episode because there's some really good stuff and some good times. And thank you again so much. And I hope you have a great night. Yeah. No, Sandel. Absolutely, man. And um, I... Honestly, I'm looking most forward to trying to rank Disney princesses. Like this makes me want to like pop popcorn and do some notebook research because I want to go hard into this. Like I, I, I really want to, I want to make like a top 10 list. I want to make like maybe a top five, bottom five list. Maybe that would be the so better way to do Maybe what it. you should do first is you should have an episode on each Disney princess first oh, with Lord. like multiple guests. 
Yeah, just and like, like the Snow White guest. Like, hey, yeah, right? just put and it then, out there into the and universe. And then Who compile your data. And then you should have like how they have um, like the NBA Final Four draft. Like yeah, you should, yeah. you know, yeah. you know, rank them up and like move it to the winner. Oh, God, that's so much work. I'm so much lazier than that. Um, but I actually like that, like to just put it out there in the universe and be like, does anybody want to come on and talk about Muana? And then you just put it out there and see what kind of guest wants to like come with the fire. Oh my God. There would be so many guests that would want to come like, on. That would be, and that would be interesting. Although I don't know, like, does that grow your on? Now I'm just thinking out loud, but like, is that the getting to know you pod getting to know how you feel about Muana? Or is that like, am I going, am I pivoting into something else at that point? Oh, you could definitely pivot, but you could also, I mean, I, I think about everything as positive, so I'm going to, I'm just going to loop it around. So you could definitely talk about, okay, well, you know, our topic why? today is Moana, but let's talk about yourself and how did you grow to love Moana? There it is. Or why do you behind hate? It. There it then, is. You fucking technically you're still getting to know the person and why do they love Moana? Sandell, you're hired. You're a producer. You're hired. It's on. Dude, so great, Sandell. So great getting to know you. I appreciate the idea. I just wrote it down and I am claiming intellectual copyright on it. So thank you for that. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> All right, man. Have a good night. You too. All right. Bye. Bye. Thanks to Sandell, um, I'm still so scared I'm going to screw up her name, <laughs> for coming on and um, sharing about her life experiences with all of us and for um, her post-pod advice that none of you got to hear, but I found very helpful. Thank you, Sandell. Thanks to AndrePsyche.com for supporting this podcast. Go right now. What else do you have to do? To AndrePsyche.com and support a local creative entrepreneur by purchasing his products. And finally, please friend, follow, forward, subscribe, rate, review, comment, click, post, repost to support the Getting to Know You pod. Christ, I know that's a lot of effort on your part and it's much appreciated on our part. Later.